0: The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. It's the Ham Radio 360 Podcast Special Edition Shopping Show coming up. Hey friends, welcome back into the Ham Radio 360 podcast. My name's Kale, K4CDN, that's Kilo 4 Charlie Delta November. If this is your very first time, well, welcome in. We've got a huge back catalog of shows that we'd like to invite you to listen to after you take this one in. I'm on vacation. I'm I'm not supposed to be around until the 1st of the year, but I did not want to let the shopping season pass us by without creating for you our fourth annual shopping show. Now, us and Lee, I'm talking George and Jeremy from the Workbench Show, as well as John from the Field Radio Podcast. We're all here, and we're going to talk handy talkies, we're going to talk mobile radios, HF radios, whether we're talking in your car, on your in your backpack, on the park bench, or wherever. We're talking about all those things, as well as cool accessories, things that you may have forgotten that you even needed, or how about a great list of stocking stuffers. The coolest thing about it is, go to the website, hamradio360.com. The podcast will be listed there, as well as in the show notes, everything we talk about in the order that it's discussed. Links to manufacturers, Amazon, different shops and whatnot, for you to get this gear in your shack this holiday season. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you again to George and Jeremy and John for coming in and hanging out with me as well. Hope you enjoy this. It's about two and a half hours or so long, so get ready. But hey, you're probably still hungover on turkey, so... Take it all in. I'll be back in a little while. We'll catch up then. All right. Welcome in to the very special shopping show episode here of Ham Radio 360 Podcast. Kale Nelson, K4CDN, dropping back in, sliding down the chimney for the shopping show for 2017-2018 with us. In this call, this conversation really—it's more than a call. It's—we've we, got some friends that you will recognize. We have George, KJ6vu. Hey, George, how are you? Kale, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good, man. Welcome into Ham Radio 360 Podcast Special Super Edition Shopping Show. Don't ask it's me. It's nice to, to yeah, be here. Don't ask me to say that again. I'll mess it up. <laughs> Jeremy, KF7IJZ. George's co-host from the Workbench Podcast, Jeremy. Welcome in. Good to hear you. Well, good to hear you. Thank you uh, for having us. Absolutely, and not to be left out, but on assignment nonetheless. John Jacobs, W seven DBO. John, where are you at? And welcome to the podcast.
1: Greetings. I am in the beautiful town of Prump, Nevada.
0: Well, I've just never north heard of, of
1: that. Las Vegas. Okay. Yeah, right next to Area 57 or Are you there going
2: to visit uh, W6OBB? He
1: is in town. I should go try and find him.
0: You should. You should stop by and get a
2: QSL card.
0: (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Well, welcome in, guys. This is something we've done for the last, I think this will be our fourth year, so this would be the last four years we've done this. And this is our opportunity to try to convince other amateur radio operators to spend their hard-earned money but at the same time, help them make some good decisions with those purchases. And we were kind of talking just a few minutes before we got the show started here. One of the things we want to do is not be a repeat of the last programs that we produced for you. But we did want to kind of give you some insight into some of the things that we're thinking about regarding amateur radio and purchases coming up in the new year. Now, I'll be very, very just open here with you guys. I've spent the majority of my day looking at Amazon for some... For, I've been asked, you know, hey, Kill, what can we get you for Christmas? Your birthday's coming up, whatever. And I'm having a hard time because I don't know if I'm just really just happy right now and don't need anything else. And, of course, Amazon's maybe not the best place to shop, but but I'm having some trouble coming up with some great ideas. So this may help me. This show actually may help me some personally as uh, as we get nearer the holiday season. So you guys ready to get started? You bet. Let's do it. All right. All right. Well, you know, one of the things that when (laughs) it's, it's going to happen when people get excited about the amateur radio hobby, or maybe they get licensed right off the very first thing they think they want to do is to buy a handy talkie or as Kel likes to call it a walkie talkie. And, uh, you know, that of course that'll get you in trouble. Don't call it that around anybody, but, uh, Anyway, uh, of course, a lot of people go for the cheaper Chinese handy talkies from Amazon. There's no need to talk about those. Everybody has them. You know what they are. But uh, a good quality handy talkie doesn't have to cost three, four, $500. I've got a great example of one that doesn't, but it may not fulfill your needs. So I want to just kick it to you guys and say, just tell me what you would look for in your first handy talkie that wasn't the $35 import. Of course, they're all imported. And what? Uh, what would be some of the reasonings behind that, Jeremy? Well, you know, I,
3: I, I've said time and time and time again that. Uh, so, my first handy talkie was the venerable Hiesu FT60. It is a dual band but single receive radio. Uh, it's bulletproof, it runs off double A's. Um, it's uh, come down in price quite a bit. They're available for about 150 to 160 But the the challenge with these radios is that they are end of life. They have been replaced by the ASU FT65. Uh, you can still find these at many of the online retailers, but my guess is this holiday season may be one of the last times they are available. Um, but, you know, as a, a good... Rugged entry into the hobby with a a quality radio designed for purpose for amateur use. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with the, the FT60. Now I will add one more thing. Um, you know, there's we we've covered digital modes and D-Star and DMR and System Fusion, all these different ways. Um, and I think there, we should talk a little bit about digital modes here in a minute. Um, but another radio that is a fantastic radio, if you can find one, and it is also a radio that is no longer made. And uh, I, this is another radio that I have owned and regret getting rid of. Um, this is an ICOM radio that was a, a D-Star radio. It is the uh, IC ninety two AD. And whether you have D-Star in your area or not, it was also just a fantastic uh, handheld HT for. Or analog. Uh, it was a dual band, dual receive radio, uh, and it was rugged as could be very simple to use. Um, battery life was fantastic. And you know, that's not even mentioning anything with the D star.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of dual band, uh, dual receive dual VFO, however you want to describe it. I- I'm spoiled like that. So uh, that's a very good recommendation. I- I'm actually going to write that down because I'd like to have a little higher grade dual bander, george uh we know that you're a kenwood fan but you also have some others around there what are some uh what would be your pick on a uh, it doesn't have to be ultra top shelf but it does have to you know have some have some amateur <laughs> amateur radio leanings toward it instead of just uh, hey we use these in the factory over here let's put them on the uh, the boat and send them to america
2: you know i my picks are pretty split between fairly inexpensive and and expensive so I think at the more inexpensive end, I think the Oshon radios are great. The uh, KGUV3D is one that I've bought. I've got a few of them, like one in every car, uh, one in my go bag. <laughs> they're hundred bucks. They're like yeah. ninety nine ninety five, and at that price point, they're um, they're every bit as good in terms of raw performance as the three hundred dollar Japanese radios, in my opinion. And and I I came to that conclusion reluctantly because I used to give my buddies a hard time about this junky radio until I went out and bought one. And and the more I used it, the more I realized it was actually a very decent radio. It doesn't quite have as nice of a user interface as the more expensive radios. It's analog only. Some of the buttons are kind of a weird combination of buttons to get it to do what you want. But if you can forgive those kind of odd aspects of the radio it's really good and it's way better than a 30 dollars bofang radio the 30 dollars bofangs have their place uh we won't say what that place is exactly at this point actually i have a suggestion for a bofang later in the show but um as as let's say even your first ht i would spring the hundred bucks and not get the bofang because it's a way better radio um, if i were going to go Up from there, I agree on the FT-60 and its replacement. Um, I think that's a very nice radio. Uh, And and if I were to go beyond that, then you sort of get into the analog and digital radios. Uh, The the Kenwood radio I liked a lot was the THF-6A, but that's been discontinued. So there's really not a great replacement for that. But in that kind of $300 price range, you're starting to get into the analog and digital mixed-mode radios like the ICOM ID51 series or the, um, I forget the Yaesu, it's not the FT1, maybe FT2 or something like that. Uh, they have a fancy one and a not-so-fancy one, and, and those seem pretty decent. So um, I'm pretty split. $100 or $300 is kind of the next jump for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I've had... Great success with the Yoshin, or I think Richard calls them Wuxon. But <laughs> if you're wondering what we're talking about, it's the, uh, the it used to be the cheap handy when I got in, that was as cheap as you could get. And I think I've got six of them now in all different flavors 220, six meter, dual band. Uh, my boys are studying for their license, I bought them two used. Uh, they were virtually brand new three uh was it three delta, yeah, the three deltas, so they 're in the box waiting on them to get their tickets so i uh, been really pleased with those i mean they 're really uh, and i 've just here lately i 've been really working my mind hard, um, my original still use it with the signal stick signal antenna that John can tell us about later, but anyway, John speaking of john john 's over here waiting for us, John, what are some of your thoughts regarding? Handy talkies for somebody getting into the hobby that that wants to spend more than thirty bucks to get some some good performance.
1: Well, what I did is I I had a radio for about fifteen years, an, an old Kenwood, and and yeah, I've got you know I've got all the bail things, but finally I decided you know we you talked about you did a show on uh, having your second radio or your your second radio being the one you know making the purchase. So I held out after hearing about the new Kenwood THD seventy four A. And, and I got it, and I have to say, I have buyer's remorse yeah. on that item. Um, I'm just not, It's it, it stays on the shelf more than it goes in the field, because I know how much it costs. <laughs> um, the battery life, I'm not seeing, I'm, I'm, I understand I need to do some upgrades on the battery, but I'm just not seeing, and, and D-Star's not really working out that well with it, so I would say... Um, and they're getting cheaper now because the THD 72A uh, gives you that APRS, um, doesn't give you the D-Star. But like I said, I don't think Kenwood really implemented D-Star that well on that. It's not as smooth as, as I hear everybody talking about the iComs. Um, it's still kind of a programming a whole bunch of uh, channels to activate your repeaters, um, and it did, it didn't have the The dual receive and so when you're if you're looking to to talk to the satellites uh everybody's saying go back to the the old kenwood that uh you can actually monitor uh on the other band while you're while you're transmitting and and that was one thing they left out of that d74a yeah
3: i I just say i'll go ahead for me i want to say i want to clarify one thing about that it is dual receive what it is not is it is not full duplex so you can't receive while you're talking
2: yeah, well, I don't think any of the handy talkies will let you do that.
3: Yeah, the the I think it was the D seven, the predecessor to the D seventy two, if I remember correctly, was a full yeah. duplex. And then there might have been an ICOM because, like, if you if you know folks who are really in a satellite, like some of these radios that were full duplex handy talkies um, were very much uh, yeah, desired.
1: Yeah, so, so I would say maybe not get that. You know, the the top of the shelf one. Yeah. Uh, Dial, dial back a little bit. Like I said, I think most of it's just mental on, on how much it is, and you don't want to ruggedize it.
0: Right, right. I got you. I got you. Well, here, here's my favorite. It's a. Uh, it's the most simplistic radio that I own, but it's my absolute favorite, and and I go to it if if the Oshine is somewhere else, and that's the Kenwood Shocker. There, uh, it's a T. I'm trying to read this on the box up here. THK twenty alpha THK two zero alpha. It's a two meter radio only, and it's a five and a half watt uh, transmitter, with low power as well. Comes with a really must be a very good antenna from the factory because the thing just talks all over the place. And I, and I, bought, I actually bought mine open box from MTC back when, had less than a hundred bucks in it, and uh, it is really out of everything I own, it is my it is my personal favorite radio. I'm talking, you know the the HF rigs, everything involved. That little 2 meter only handheld is my favorite radio. It's it's so simple to use. It works every time and it it, it sounds great. So, if you if you don't need dual banding, uh consider that one for sure. But uh I'll have to echo George on the uh, the Oshine or the Wuxon or however you want to say it uh, as those have been very good performers for me as well. So,
3: so I I've got a I've got a question about sure. those real quick. Which one? So, um the the Oshines. Okay. So uh, at Dayton a couple of years ago, uh, Richard from Main Trading Company, uh, you know, gave me a fantastic deal on the, is it like the 8E, the one that was the tri-band with the built-in uh, yeah, cross uh, crossband r- repeat? Yep. So I-, I agree with everything you guys are saying about the radios. I, I think that they punch way above their uh, their weight. I think they're they're better than their price would have any reason to let you believe they are. Uh, they're even relatively easy to figure out uh, with a little bit of studying from the keep it pad. Like I, I would say, it's no more complicated than uh, picking up a, a you know a modern Kenwood or, or Yaesu or whatnot. But I have had absolutely terrible luck with the batteries.
0: Hmm. That's, that's like I, I well you know I don't it it may be because it's a different series radio. That's what the ones that George and I are talking about are the. Like the original Oshines that don't have the big, pretty big display like the one you do. Uh, it's got just a two line display, um, and, and I don't know yeah, if that exactly. affects it or not. But but I haven't heard that. But I I don't I've never owned one of those models either, so I, I can't. I, you know, f- funny thing is, I, I I
2: had one of those KGUV eights. And I actually like the UV3 better, and I can't really tell you why because the display is not as nice. Well, it's similar kind of display, but it's smaller. And anyway, a friend of mine got licensed, and so I gave him my UV8 as a, you know, congratulations <laughs> present. And uh, I didn't miss it at all. I actually liked the UV3 better. And. I, I'm not I'm not quite sure if it's if it's any different performance wise. And I've never really had a big battery problem. There are two different battery sizes mm-hmm. you can get for the UV three. There's a um I don't remember the exact capacity, There's but a like a
0: seventeen and a thirty yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: And it comes with a smaller one, of course, which is not bad. And then I got one of the bigger ones. Um I really haven't had much of a battery life problem, uh, but maybe I just haven't been in the same situation.
3: Well, then I, I want to be clear. Like, the issue that I've had, I, I had two of the high-capacity batteries for the uh, my 8, um, which I think, like, Kale, I think you said, it's like... Um, Three thousand or thirty-two hundred milliamp hours, and both of those high-capacity batteries just—I mean—the batteries themselves failed. I'm not talking about battery life of the radio. Um, The batteries themselves just failed after anywhere from Um, three to five months. And uh, so, again, the radio—I mean, that 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 radio is my oh, it's storming, and I want to listen to the repeater uh, for the you know the Skywarn nets. That's my go-to radio uh, here in the house. So. I was just curious about that because I, I do think the equipment is really good. And, um you know, John, on, on your podcast, you, you were recently, uh, you know, when you were doing the episode about the repeater in a can, uh, these radios also have an accessory available for them called a battery eliminator, which is basically a plastic case that plugs into the back of the radio in place of the battery and gives you a 12-volt cigarette lighter socket uh, so you can run them straight off 12-volt as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I have those What uh, one-is-none kind of an idea with those, so I try to keep those handy for all of mine. And, and George, I also have uh, a 1D, and I think I have some 6Ds as well, so I might even have a 2D in there. What I'm trying to convey here to the listener is there's multiple D Oshin Wuxan radios, and they're all about the same thing, some maybe a little later vintage or whatnot, but they all kind of look the same. Uh, and, and we've had some pretty good luck with them. John, uh, Do you when you buy a handy talkie, do you add those like Jeremy's talking about? Do you keep those with you when you're out traveling and whatnot, or even in the glove compartment for your battery eliminators for your handies?
1: Yeah, so I have kind of a stock whenever I get an HT. Uh, I make sure I have a several things. First of all, uh, I get a second of whatever battery it is. Um, and then also, uh, especially with some of the ChaiCom stuff now, uh, you can get a, a DC plug for the base charger, but you can also get a USB plug that goes into the base charger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always make sure I have some type of way of DC charging uh, from the cradle. Uh, that way I don't have to kind of mess with plugging it in the radio. Yeah, uh, the DC clamshell uh, to replace that so you can plug it into pretty much anything that has power. Uh, you're going to find a lot of anything pretty much is going to have power for you from car, car batteries to field batteries. And then also the the uh, replacement, so you can put in double A or triple A batteries. That's always an item I get, Um, and then I always replace the uh, dummy load antenna that comes on those.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and that's 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 exactly what we would expect to hear from you in the field radio show is is having those things in case you need them, whether you're you're out of the shack or out in the middle of nowhere. Is to make sure you have those extra things. And really, honestly, when you purchase these items, you should just, if you can go ahead and put those in your cart at the same time. So you'll have them. You know how to use them, and you don't have to say, "Man, I wish I'd ordered that." It takes another three or four days to get it, or whatever, and And then another
3: ten dollars in shipping for a twenty dollar (laughs) accessory. Exactly. Plus plus one at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's one of the things I love about John's show is uh, he's always encouraging you, you know, to make sure that you have it to get ready to go, kind of a thing. And and we've talked about that. All three of four of us have talked about it numerous times, but it's it's something that you need to think about, or at least you should consider thinking about. As you're purchasing these items, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, radios work better with an, an external antenna or even you know magnet mount antenna. There's a pigtail adapter you can put in there. So a lot of those things seem to be common sense to some of us, but maybe not so to somebody new just coming in. And uh, of course, if you've got questions, the four of us would love to answer those regarding our suggestions and even our opinions here on handy talky radios. Anybody got anything else to toss in there?
1: I can just throw in that I have. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, but on my private page w7dbo.net, I have a breakdown of my HT Go bag uh, that identifies all these different breakouts. And I just brought it up one of them that I failed to mention was, uh, you know, I, we, you obviously replace the stock antenna that comes with it, but they've they've done a shootout in the past and they found out that. RH-660S. It's an extension antenna. It's one you have to be really careful with because it literally it collapses down. But it's a probably a three-foot antenna. But that's the one that has the most gain. So that's the antenna you need when you really need to make that contact. And you got to be really careful with it because it, it does load so heavy on the HT. Nice. Um, but, but we can put in the show notes, I've kind of broken down all the things you get, uh, you know, in a small... Uh, go bag for your ht radio
0: very good very good and george i think we might have done a show about that same topic years ago did we for some reason i'm thinking that or at least we talked about it what was that again kale the the handy talky go bag didn't we talk about that in the past uh we
2: we did do a go bag show um and i think we talked about
0: hts as one of the the parts of that yeah Yeah. and it was a lawn whatever game you played there with the frisbees Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, Frisbee golf. Frisbee golf. Okay, so we'll we'll find all those links and put them in the show notes here as we talk about handy talkies. Uh, thanks, guys, for for your suggestions on all of those and and your input. <laughs> I know that uh, when I came when I came into the hobby, I, I didn't have a whole lot to spend, and I was directed to the Oshine, and it was the either that or the 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 FT60, which at that time was really expensive compared to what it is now because there was no competition. And uh, I went with the O'Sheen. I've been very happy with it, so I'm glad that I was directed that way. Uh, Let's keep talking about radios because, of course, that's what this whole topic is about. But, uh, you know, you kind of go from the handy-talkie, and and I'll give a – I don't want to say too much about the exercise here recently. I know John's wanting to talk about it on his show, but recently – we had a the big grid X exercise here in town, and we had 31 hams participate. We manned 13 different stations. It was just a great success. And what happened was a lot of amateurs who showed up with just a handy talk, you realized that uh, that usually won't really get the job done. So now they're waking up and they're saying, hey, you know, I need more than this handy. Uh, of course, we're kind of a rural suburban area, I guess you'd call it. So maybe it's different in the big cities. But uh, the mobile radios are just so much more radio when it comes to performance. And let's talk about that for just a minute. And then along with some, gest- some suggestions, we also have some, uh, some, some off out of the catalog suggestions, I guess you'd call it, Jeremy. And let's just go back to you. Uh, they come in multiple flavors. Mainly you can get them single band and dual band. Uh, where, do you, where do you fall out with those? You know, I
3: this is an area where I think you start getting into a little bit more um having to pay attention to your application because you know, when I started, my first mobile was really uh you know geared to be used at home. And I started with the ASU FT eighty uh, eight hundred, which is a dual band, dual receive uh, VHF UHF radio. Fantastic radio, bulletproof. Um, but I mean that's all it was was an analog radio. These days um, you know, if you're in a D-Star, you buy a D-Star one. If you're into APRS, you buy a, a Kenwood. Uh, if you're in a system fusion, you buy a AC one. Almost everybody still makes just a standard analog only version of the radio. Um, I guess I'll try to keep this brief, but, uh, my, my, Probably my favorite still just analog dual band is going to continue to be the Kenwood uh, D71 uh, because it still has an honest to god packet port on it. If you want to upgrade to a D or sorry a um, an APRS capability, you can buy the uh, TNC control head that comes in the 710 separately, um, and it's a Kenwood. It's got built-in uh, crossband repeating. Uh, if you are way bought into Kenwood and using Sky Command, there's some capabilities there. So I, I think it is a, a good value of a radio. But there are two other radios, um, one of which I picked up at Dayton, which has actually become one of my favorite uh, Dayton purchases. So I, I love the sub-$100 high-value purchases at Dayton. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, uh, the infamous Titerra MD380HT that we probably all have was one of those purchases. But this year, from Richard at MTC Radio, um, I picked up another Titerra radio called the md 8600
0: you familiar with this? Yeah, that's the little micro dual-bander, right? Or is it the tri-band? Yes. Uh, mine,
3: well, I think I think technically it is tri-band, but I've never, uh, never tried it on 220. Um, but yes, it is small. It is uh, fit-in-the-palm-of-your-hand small, 25 watts on VHF, 20 watts on UHF. Um, the version that Richard sells at MTC Radio is actually... I don't know what IPX rating it is, but I think it's IPX 68. So it is slightly water and dust proof. Mm. Um, I, I know folks are using these to put on quads or in Jeeps and, and things like that. But what I love about this radio is, um, you know, it's it's relatively easy to program, very easy to program through the software, relatively easy to program from the front panel uh, and the, the mic. Um, the manual for it's fairly decent, um, but it's just a nice... 25 20 watt radio that's tiny fits in an ammo can very well very field expedient um it's rugged, I mean, and it's it's around 100 bucks. Yeah, it's and close, I to, think close it to $100 right there at it. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will say is, uh, and I was trying to research this because I've never played with it. It is a multiple band radio, but I cannot tell you if it is actually a multiple receive radio. So I don't know if it could receive, you know, like VHF and UHF at the same time or VHF and VHF at the same time. For 100 bucks, I don't care. <laughs> just buy two. <laughs> yeah, if you really Get need both. it, just buy two. Um you know, it has uh, it has USB programming capability. It's got a, a speaker output, and then uh, you know, a fairly rugged, um, like mini DIN. It's uh, not the right word, but it's it's not like a modular plug. It's actually a, a little like socket thing with a twist lock. Um, but it's it's just a fun radio for less than a hundred bucks. And mm. I I, it, I it's it's the radio in my house currently as a mobile that gets used the most. So that's good. That That's, now, that's
0: good to hear because I haven't heard any good or bad reports on that. So thank you for sharing.
3: Yeah, I mean, as as far as uh, a, there have been a, a number of those, like, small form factor 20-watt radios uh, that have had a bunch of issues. But this one really seems to have been fairly rock solid. I mean, for what I'm using it for, which is programmed in five or six repeaters and talk on it, uh, have not really run into any issues. Nice. Now, The last thing I'll say about mobiles, and this is kind of – I'm going to ignore commercial gear altogether. Um, But, again, getting into the digital side of things, I am a DSTAR user. I'm a DMR user. Uh, ICOM released this year a new – It's a dual band but single receive D Star radio called the ID4100. The thing that I like about this radio, despite the fact that it has all of the latest and greatest uh, ICOM D Star technologies, in other words, uh, GPS location and automatic programming of analog and digital repeaters, Um, it has the new hotspot and access point modes. It has, you know, everything that they've done, it has a Bluetooth option. But if you ever saw the original 880, it is a tiny radio compared, well, tiny ish uh, for a 50 watt dual band radio the display on it is a tiny little head i mean it's it's compared to most radio detachable heads this thing is tiny and i like it because it makes for a very clean and uh, organized installation uh again it the the real selling point of it is a, is a d star radio if you don't have d star nearby or you don't have hotspot capability i would not recommend you buy it um but that is going to be one of the radios at the top of my list next year in dayton
0: very good, very good. So, George, uh, we heard from Jeremy. The forty-one hundred is really a radio that caught my eye. But you know, you lent me your eighty-eight eighty, 880, and uh, I sent it back with a manual that had two hundred eighty-eight pages in it. Totally scared me to death. <laughs> <laughs> I never got that thing to work on VHF analog. So, <laughs> you know, that,
2: that's that's a really important point, though. I think that generation of the ICOM radios—that's probably their. First or second generation uh, VHF, UHF radios, the user interface was really poor. Mm -hmm. And the newer generation radios, like the one that Jeremy is talking about, the 4100, has the newer DR mode and all that. Um, easier-to-use a user interface. Nice. So I think the ex- your experience with the 4100 would be much better than the 880. By the way, why do you think I sent you the 880?
0: <laughs> it was a test, and I failed. <laughs> it's it yeah, not a test.
2: It was, it was just, like, painful for me to use it. Yeah, like that's a, scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't figure it out. Maybe he could use it. <laughs> so that's a radio where once you programmed it, For the things you want, you just don't touch it again. But I find that really frustrating, which is, by the way, back to the Kenwood, one of the reasons why I generally like Kenwood handy talkies and mobiles is because their user interface is much more obvious uh, to use. And, and, you know, all of them are pretty good these days, but compared to the Chinese radios, they really are noticeably better. Yeah. for me, if if I were going to go on the cheap, if you go a, a cut above the Chinese radios, probably the best deal going is the uh, is the Yaesu Monoband two meter radio. Uh, it's the FTM thirty two hundred is the new version of that, and it's about one hundred and seventy bucks. But it's like a seventy watt radio. So if you know if you really don't need UHF and two meters is sufficient. Then that's a fabulous radio for that price Th- those have always been a great deal but uh like for me, that's really not useful because all of the our club stuff is on u h f and in a lot of areas there's so much going on you need both bands and I would go with jeremy's suggestion for the f uh or the um the t m seventy one t m v seventy one it's a Kenwood it's a great radio dual band great performance easy to use and um has a you know, packet port. Has a packet Did you say it has a packet port also? Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I'm I'm very frustrated that there seems to be a war on the packet board. Like neither of or none of Icom's latest generation high-end radios have a packet board.
2: Yeah, I don't really understand that. You, you know, that seems like such an obvious thing you'd want to put on there anyway, even if, you know, not a lot of people use it, but I don't know why you'd bother taking it off.
3: Got, got to it. save that $0.18 cent, uh, yeah. item on
2: the bomb. Yeah, that DIN connector. Ooh, boy. Yeah. yeah. I don't well, know. We that that used kind of it. a miss.
0: We used it this week uh, in the exercise but with the TMV71 with a with a, uh, signal link doing sound card packet. work worked like a champ. Oh, huh.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so th- 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 those would be my picks. Um, if you're willing to spend some more money, uh, like I think also you were saying, Jeremy, you, know, you start to get into the more uh, digital fancy radios. My my personal favorite at the moment is the iCom ID fifty one hundred. And when it first came out, I thought it was the ugliest display I'd ever seen. <laughs> I and to that. this day, yeah, I'm still not happy with it. I think it is kind of a, a miss on the display. But I think from a feature and a usability perspective, I think it's very good. It's it's a, a big display. Uh, so the functionality, the performance is great. I I think that's our real winner.
0: Nice. Is that, a, is that a touch screen like the 7100, or is it just a uh, an intuitive display kind of thing? You
2: no, know, it's a touch screen just like the 7100. That's cool. what makes it so nice. So like with the 7100, what threw me for a loop when I first played with that radio was I thought, I can't figure out where the function button is to change the frequency or the mode. And then it dawned on me, oh, you just press that number on the screen. And, and you know, like I was overthinking it. Ah. and. And the fifty one hundred is the same way. Okay. So although there's more soft buttons on it, but um, but yeah, so it, it it's a really decent radio. Nice. Still has a sucky screen, but <laughs> it's good, good
0: radio. It was a good radio. John, what do you uh, what do you like? And, and before you say that, we know that you're a big fan of the uh, seven ten. But tell us if that's it. Why? And uh, fill us in.
1: Well, for me, like I have to agree with Jeremy on the micro radios. Uh, if you're looking for something that's not going to be very uh, expensive and intrusive into your install, um, I have the BTEC 2501 that's been replaced now by some uh, different UV25X4, which is a tri-bander. But that little tiny mini radio, really, uh, I put that in the wife's pilot, um, and it actually stayed there um and it, it's uh it's just a nice little radio you're not putting a lot of money into it and it's it's uh good for install i've also put those in the smallest of ammo cans you can get from harbor freight or walmart um, so that's a great little tiny radio uh, as far as the tmd 710 ga that i have with kenwood it really fits what i do in the field i do event support so when i'm vhf uhf in the field, I'm doing event support, or whether that's like Lajota, Le- which is heavily on APRS reliant, or we're uh, sending FL digi packet from a, a remote station. So all the event support I do, I don't do anything within really cell phone range, except for the Lajota. I like doing the extreme backcountry, uh, no cell phone range, half hour away from cell phone range. So you're really the the pen. You're the item. Uh, in you know, in the event support, you you are really needing to have a good communications. So just having the availability on that b seven ten to you know run the pack and run the TNC or uh, go to uh, FLDG mode which comes what comes off a separate sound card, I just really like that radio. So that's one I can say that i'm I'm happy I got, and I really don't see uh, any other kind of radio that I'd replace it with right now.
0: Nice, nice. Well, that's you know that's really good to hear, especially from you and Jeremy both regarding those uh, those low cost uh, entry level. I guess we call them entry level rigs now. But uh that that's good to know because there are a lot of people out there like like I was when I first got in. Man, back then, you know, buying a five watt handy for one hundred and twenty bucks, you were excited, you got a deal. But now you can get a twenty five watt mobile. That, that's that's a uh, that's quite a shout or something to shout about if you're a new ham. So. Uh, you know, good good on the manufacturers for doing that, and uh, a lot of people don't like it, but it is it is uh, you know it's it's helping people get in the hobby, get going. So,
1: part and of we it. have a local, I have a local ham here that's taken that uh, Noji N O J I, he's taken that, or I say N zero J I, he's taken that and turned it into manpack. So he's put it into the backpack and uses that as just, basically a twenty five watt HD
0: Wow, wow, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Well, you know, my favorite, uh, of course, is going to be the dual-band 71A. We've talked about it, uh, and that's a horse that we could beat to death. But uh, if you're listening and you're considering spending 300 dollars on a good quality Japanese-manufactured-type dual-band radio, you, you will not be disappointed with a 71A. The reason I wanted it so bad was for the cross-band repeater. And and I use that thing all the time. It's just awesome that you can take a you know point two watt handy talkie out here way far out in the country and crossband through your your van sitting in the driveway and make that contact on the local repeater, uh, or even if you're doing it simplex with a with having that extra power. So uh, if you ever consider that you may be coming up to something like that or you may need uh, some extra reach or just some utility really really look into the uh, crossband repeating radios i don't think that uh, i don't think it's a wasted expense actually and the dual band dual receive uh, it it scratches my itch so i really appreciate that in the radio so
3: So I, i i have a um It's not radio-related, and I I don't know if we're going to cover this later, but I came across something a couple months ago that makes one heck of an accessory for these radios out in the field.
0: Okay.
3: So um, you guys remember uh, there was a company called MCM Electronics uh, based out of here in Ohio. Um, They were part of the overall Premier Farnell family. Uh, MCM Electronics as a brand has been dissolved, and they are now... um, Part of Element 14, uh, but I got an email from them the other day saying, "Hey, all of the MCM Electronics house brands, including Tenma and Stellar Labs, and all these are are you know uh, available again in our catalog." Now, the reason this matters is uh, Stellar Labs was a, a, a brand that they made all kinds of audio, video stuff for. But one of the things that was really interesting is they make these uh, tripod stands. That are made for, they have several that are made for like loudspeakers, like Mm -hmm. if you're doing a PA system, but they have one that's made for a lighting system and it extends to 10 feet. Wow. Which is about four feet higher than you av- see in these average. Um, the best part about it, of course, is that the thing is less than fifty dollars, uh, and it can hold. It says it can hold up to a hundred pounds. Um, but one of these tripods, I've seen one in person. They're only about maybe four feet um, collapsed or, or slightly smaller. Uh, and then they come with a bar across the top for mounting lights. Which, if you want to stick an antenna on, it's it's not necessary. Uh, Kale, make sure you have the link for the show notes because the model number is the five 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 one one six three five. Yeah, I'll
0: never remember that, but we'll <laughs> yeah, we'll link it any. in the show notes.
3: <laughs> yeah, I um I think that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Forty five bucks or less for a ten foot tripod uh, that is, uh, again, having seen one in person, is is fairly sturdy. Yeah, and is that is that the one with the crank? Does it crank up or lift up? This is a lift up. Okay. But it, w- the other thing that's nice too is uh, each of the sections as it cranks up has a cross cotter pin. So you're not just relying on like some kind of a twist compression fitting. I
1: like that. Yeah, because those plastic pieces they they fail, and when they fail, especially if you, I've, I've loaded those up with lights before, when you do test that one hundred pound limit, and <laughs> if it doesn't come with a cotter pin, you definitely want to drill your own cotter pin in those.
0: Nice, nice. Now that might be something to add to the uh, to the pickup when you go out into the field to uh, to to toss an antenna against.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Those those pipes are big enough to fit uh, the military poles.
0: Okay. Very down good. in. Yeah. Very good. Cool stuff. Okay. So, um, we, I think we've, we've talked about, uh, the mobile radios, uh, VHF, UHF, and, um, I think we got it covered. But, man, I tell you, I, I well, you heard us. The Kenwood mobiles are, are really a great place to start. Um, you know, you you may you may be looking, and I want to touch on this real quick, Jeremy. We talked about this a few minutes ago, and and one of you said you had something written down, maybe regarding this. But they are, you mentioned Jeremy the eighty eight hundred from Yesu, which is out of production now. The eighty nine hundred is kind of taking its place there, and and I, I kind of feel like that probably won't last much longer, actually. But they also make a radio which is the seventy nine hundred. It's kind of an old school single vfo single frequency on the display but it's a dual band radio no cross band repeat but it's it's a brick house solid radio detachable face you know somebody may come up and say Kel, jeremy george john i can't afford a 359 radio right now but i could swing this 279 for the a brand new 7900 with a warranty would you say something like that would be a good investment for a ham who's looking to uh, improve their their radios in their car or something
3: well, oh, I'm a fan of that radio. I've I, I recommended it to uh, other new hands who didn't quite want it, to. It's, it's kind of like hard drives. They're like, I'll never need two bands at the same time, <laughs> when we all said, I'll never need more than 20 megabytes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, it, it basically, it, it, to me, it was kind of like um, if you expanded the FT60 to a 50 y radio, that's, that's kind of what you had. And they're from the same generation of, of Yaesu technology.
0: Yeah. Nice interface.
2: You know, one thing that is kind of handy in in the ham world, when it comes to the Japanese radios in particular, the pricing on the radios generally reflects the feature set more so than the performance. In other words, if you buy the $170 Yaesu 2-meter only radio, that radio's core receive performance probably won't be that much different than a $500 radio. The big difference is really going to be the features that you get. And... And the the pricing between the big three vendors, Icom, Kenwood, Yesu, they tend to have similar products and similar price points. So the the point of all that is is that you can pretty much take the price and look at that as as kind of a metric of sophistication and features. So if you if you'd say, well, uh, gee, I can't afford a five hundred dollar radio, but I could afford a two hundred and fifty dollar radio, would that be any good? The answer is. As a radio, yes, it'll be a perfectly fine, safe choice. The, the only question is, does it have the the, the sort of secondary uh, whizzy features that, that you might be lacking? And for 90% of the people, the answer is probably no. So... To me, I mean, the biggest breakpoint is going from a single VFO to a dual VFO radio. Now I essentially have two radios simultaneously in one. And is it worth, you know, going from $150 to, to you know, 300 bucks to get that? For me, it is, you know. Um, and, and beyond that, you're really talking about digital features and stuff like that that you may or may not need. So I, I think the price is a pretty good proxy for just, you know, like the sophistication of the feature set.
0: Yeah, so if you come up with a budget of three hundred bucks, and and there's three of them out there, they're probably going to be all be pretty the, pretty much the same with their performance. And you're right, George. Thinking about that, I mean, you look at the great. Uh, I think it's a FT four hundred or four fifty. The the pretty multicolor display from Yazoo that does APRS mm-hmm. and all. And it's a great radio, but it's it's almost what six hundred bucks brand new, and uh, a lot of people scratching head. Wow, do I really need that? I mean. So you know, uh, maybe not. The funny thing, funny
2: thing about that, Kale, is is I I kind of think of myself as sort of a gearhead, and I look at these radio features and I think, wow, that's a really cool feature. And and there's a big long list of, of features on the more, on the more expensive radios, and I, I never use any of those yeah. features. Oh, I mean, and I think I would be the target market for all that stuff. And I you know basically, I need to set the frequency offset, <laughs> the tone. And transmit, you know, like that's kind of what I do 99% of the time. The only feature that I ever use in my FM radios that is beyond that would be a digital mode. So I use my D-Star radio because I like D-Star. But, you know, all the other stuff, except for dual VFO, you know, you really don't need most of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And John could tell you, you know, before you get out in the field, you need to know what your purpose is, the reason you're going out. So, you can take that back in in going through your mindset on this purchasing thing because you can really overthink your purchases. Yes. And I'm I'm one of those. I really am, and that's why we enjoy doing these shows in this really candid conversation to try to help you understand and make a good choice with your money because everybody knows how hard it is to get that nowadays, right? So. If you overthink it uh, you 're going to you 're going to probably spend more than you really need, but if you can determine what you want to use it for, like okay, kale down here in the country, the repeater 's a long way away. I want to be able to sit in my house and use a mobile radio because I spend the most of my time on the radio while I'm driving, VHF, UHF, repeater talk stuff, but I still want to be able to to talk on the repeaters from inside my house. Well, I can't without having to buy a radio, put up an antenna on the outside of the house, another power supply you got to buy. But if I can swing one of those crossband repeating rigs, put it in the van, set it up, and use it, well, I've just killed two birds, one rock, and I'm really happy. So I knew going into this, and it took me, guys, it took me almost three and a half years to save up to buy that radio, the TMV 71A, but I've got another one now because it's so freaking (laughs) awesome. And and it's used. The first one I bought was an open, open box B stock kind of thing from MTC. The second one I bought used, got a really good deal. Thanks to a, a very generous ham, but that was my goal. My goal was to crossband repeat to get into the local repeaters. Now I found all kind of crazy other uses for it. So you know, if you live in an area where nobody talks on UHF, you may be able to get get away with the thirty two hundred from Yazu. George has told you it's a great radio, and uh, and be happy there. Or you may want APRS, so you got to go up. It just determine what your goal is and go there. Exactly, and and I think the big
2: kind of epiphany is is that's like that thirty two hundred radio. It's raw performance on a two-meter repeater is not going to be any better than a $600 radio. Nope. So if you're going to park it on that repeater 30 miles away, and that's pretty much where you hang out, you don't really need to spend the money. Uh, so it, the nice thing, too, is if you had a radio like that, let's say you're really uh, agonizing over this, this decision because, oh, my God, you don't want to make a bad decision. If you bought that less expensive radio and after a year you go, well, Turns out there is a UHF repeater. I really wish I had dual VFO or whatever. Get the fancier radio and you 'll either sell or or keep the cheaper radio there 's nothing wrong with that it 's probably not the last radio you 're ever going to buy,
0: so put it in a go box know, put it in the go exactly exactly one is none. so while we 're still talking mobiles let 's talk mobile mobile h f operations Now this is somewhere where i 'm just going to be i 'm going to come out the front and get myself out of the way real quick. Uh, I don't do mobile HF radio because I have five kids that I'm mobile with. So that just it doesn't happen. But I know that you guys have some experiences with it. I mean, John grew up as a his dad and granddad were ham, so I mean, he's been around this stuff for forever. John, what are you what what are your takes on mobile HF operating? Well, I
1: have to switch gears because interestingly enough with VHF UHF handhelds and mobiles, I'm a Kenwood guy. Then when you get into HF, I'm, I'm an ICOM fan. Uh, so I don't know kind of how that happened. Uh, <laughs> but um, I have two ICOM rigs, or actually three, but the one stays at home. So I, I do have the 7300, and that only comes outdoors when it's field day and it sits inside my, my camper uh, just because I, I want to keep that nice. So the two that I take routinely in the field – is the Icon 7200, which is the one that was discontinued, uh, and then I tried selling, and right when I tried selling it, Icon decided to re-release it, so it became impossible to sell. Um, that is the rig that they uh, selected for the the ARL went to Puerto Rico with. They they had twenty of those, uh, so that 7200. Yes, it's heavy. Yes, it's a tank, and you know you're not going to do a soda with it. But if you're not worrying about weight, uh, that 7200 is in, it's back in production now, and there's plenty of used ones out there. The price point is, is, is really low for a ruggedized uh, radio that has a USB into it, so you can do digital modes. And it just it works great, and in the best of all, it looks tactical. So <laughs> uh, if you can get it in camo, which I'm not sure why. but
2: So, yeah, uh, gigaparts. Parts, they used to do that. That is, They did, did these awesome color... Schemes yeah. and and camo patterns and they don't do that anymore. I, I'm surprised they don't because they'd sell a bunch of that stuff.
0: Well, you know our buddy, yeah. That, Jeremy and I have a buddy named Greg and Greg actually took his apart and painted it green before. Yep. Cody green. Yeah. <laughs> Go big, daddy. Yeah. So, shout out to our man Greg.
1: That's a. I mean the 7200. That that is like I said. If you're not looking for lightweight operations. um that's that's the radio go-to then the second one i have is they're still out there and these are tanks also but the icom 706 mark 2g uh that's a that's an all-mode radio it is a power hog uh it, but uh for such a small compact all-mode radio uh, i keep that in my truck but then i also put that on the atv and uh it, that's just a, a great one that's that's out of production but so that's kind of where i've landed i i still have a uh, on my my Santa list is the uh, is the Elecraft KX3. Uh, so if I'm good this year and and use the next five years of Christmases, I might be able to get one. <laughs> As my wife is sitting here in the room. With yeah, you.
0: I just read a news article how there's uh, the large amount of uh, Americans are still paying for last year's Christmas this year. So <laughs> I don't know, John. You're kind of brave tonight, man. Even admitting <laughs> that you have that many radios in front of your bride. So. Yeah, that, that, I almost bought a 706 years ago. I wish I hadn't missed the deal, but it just didn't happen. And uh, that that's just how it goes. George, we know that uh, you and Noah were, were sending CW back after the flood. And um, so you've seen a lot in regards to mobile. I hadn't, had to, I hadn't had an opportunity to give you a hard time about that in a long time. So, And, and, and love having you guys here, by the way. Uh, George, mobile HF radio for you. What does that look like? Oh, I'd, I'd break this into two different topics. One is really
2: mobile. In other words, sitting in the car or the truck or whatever yeah, yes. with, with the radio talking as you go down the highway. D- different from portable. Yes. Uh, okay. So so in the real mobile sense for HF, I've used a 706 uh, mobile HF a bit, and it was okay. Uh, and then I got a uh, Kenwood um, TS-480 sat and that was a really a really really good radio i would recommend that so between well i don't know b- between those two but even any other one off the top of my head i think of all of the real mobile form factor radios the the ts480 is great it's probably got one of the best receivers in it it's it's about a 10 year old design maybe more at this point uh, 100 watts antenna tuner uh basic antenna tuner built in. They also make a 200-watt model, which is the HX version with no tuner. So if you really want to fry yourself in the car, you can get a (laughs) 200-watt PA. Uh, But the receiver in that radio is excellent, and the user interface, um, the control head is nice because there's a speaker in the back. The mic plugs into it, so physically it's handy and convenient. The buttons are are, uh, physical buttons, and I think one of the things you want to think about while you're screaming down the freeway – is ergonomically, can you interact with the radio without taking your eyes off the road? And the 480 will let you do that because there's a bunch of buttons on the control head, as opposed to a newer radio like the ICOM 7100 that's mostly touchscreen.
0: Mm.
2: So uh, if you're going to operate while driving, I would I would look at the 480. Okay.
3: Um, I'll, I'll plus ahead. that. Yeah. I mean yeah. And, and that that's really what it comes down to is, is it's not just that there are physical buttons, there's a plethora of physical buttons. Cause even like something like the uh venerable, like one of the most popular portable radios ever, the the Yesu FT eight fifty seven, it had three buttons for four hundred <laughs> and seventy two functions. And uh, you know, you had to depending on how long you held a button down, whether it was three seconds or three point two seconds, it would do something different. Whereas the uh the Kenwood in the car, um you know, having all those buttons, like you can develop muscle memory to remember where to to press to do things. So, yeah, plus one.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um, And by the way, it's got a very good receiver in it. I mean, it's not just, yeah, it works, but it really has a good receiver. There's a great uh, document on the Kenwood website that I downloaded some years ago that was essentially like a big app note, a technical article that Kenwood wrote about the design of the 480. In other words, these guys were so proud of their... New receiver design that they wrote a whole technical article about it, and it was really quite interesting. So That's awesome, yeah. So it's it's worth checking out. So uh, it you, really is.
0: You would give you would give a thumbs up for the for the mobile HF operations to the four hundred and eighty over the seventy one hundred because those are kind of like yes. apples and apples almost.
2: Yeah, I would I would. And and the reason I would do that is is that the uh, user interface uh is just better okay. for a mobile, mobile without operating. looking at the display. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay. the 7100 is a great radio. It's a newer radio. It probably has some more features. It certainly has uh more modes. It's got uh D-star, it's got VHF and UHF. The TS480 is HF and 6. Okay. So, there's no 2 meters uh on it. It's really an HF uh, radio. And and you do tend to see at a given price point, let's say at a $1,000 plus or minus price point, if the receiver is only HF versus HF and VHF, when you add the VHF stuff, you tend to compromise on something. And I don't know why that's the case, but it tends to be the case. So you may get more features, but you might be giving up some Performance at a for a given generation of radio. Okay. okay. Uh, by the way, I'm a I'm a big fan of the 7100, but but I see the 7100 more as a portable radio, not backpacky. Of course, it's right. more like take it to field day, uh, you know, take it to the park. So it's it's got a nice uh, control head. People either love it or hate it, and I like it actually because it's fairly compact and it's at a 45 degree angle. So. It presents itself very nicely. And as you said, Cale, the user interface is pretty cool because you just touch the thing on the screen you want to change and the and the screen adapts to that. So if you touch the like the filter shape on the on the display, it'll pop up a little dialogue box on the display to let you change the filter characteristics. Nice. So the UI is very intuitive and, and I think that's a big step forward. Cool. Cool. Now so no. and by the way, those radios are on like super special. They
0: are. Right now,
2: um, I think MTC's got a special. I'm, I'm pretty sure HRO has a similar special, and they're they're around. I want to say they're about eight hundred bucks. Yeah, they're like two hundred dollars
0: off right now. So yeah. if, if you're well, Black Friday listening and you want to HF, that may be where you want to go. So I'm looking at the HRO website uh, on sale.
2: Okay, so they have the so oh well, what they're saying is it's a thousand dollars normally on sale for nine. Fifty nine, and then there's a little asterisk after rebate 759.95 it's a good deal so now put this in perspective this radio does d-star let's say we go back to our 8 our fm mobile discussion and say well i want a d-star mobile radio okay well that's uh the top end from Icom the 70 the ID5100 which is my favorite that's about a 500 and something radio mm-hmm. 550 maybe 500 bucks at the low end 500 bucks okay for another 250 you get a whole HF radio
3: yeah i mean that's true but okay I having owned the 480, having currently owned the 7100. By the way, MTC Radio has the 7100 for 939 plus the $200 off, so beating them by 20 bucks. Um the 7100 is is interesting because as far as density, if you want an all-in-one radio that has all that stuff in your vehicle, fantastic. If you are going to be operating while going down the road, and you're actually operating while you're operating your vehicle, you know it is probably best to just park it on a frequency or set up the the memories you know that are in there. You're not going to be contest hopping as easily while you're driving. Um, the there there are several things about the 7100 that you know over the the 480. Uh, number one, the filtering, the the ability to do voice recording if you wanted to do that to call CQ. Um, but the filtering is IF DSP versus uh, audio frequency DSP, so it is it is a higher quality filtering uh, technology because I think actually uh, you have to buy crystal filters or mechanical filters rather for the 480, if I remember correctly.
2: I believe that's right. Um,
3: the other thing, though, that is a little bit frustrating about iCom, <laughs> I'm a, I'm an iCom here we boy. go, here we go. <laughs> lay yes. on us hold on so, John you know <laughs> y- drum you roll me- please well you mentioned earlier George about the different generations of D star technology so if memory serves the 7100 had the ability to use a GPS to find D star stuff but they didn't add any feature beyond that like nothing has been backported to the radio so the 5100 overall does have an easier the hfu d star experience than the 7100 on the other hand it looks like you can get the 7100 for 739 I paid I think 16 or 1700 the month they came out so deal, that folks. radio has dropped a thousand dollars in about four years
2: yeah that's a pretty wicked uh drop that's and that's not that hasn't been historically that common that, that they would drop that much but I, you know i think that sort of happens in other radios too like um when the uh the FT991 came out that thing came out at about 1600 bucks 1700 bucks and i think uh it's it's now down to 13 something now that's not as much of a drop um but they also went from the 991 to the a model which kind of left people high and dry so yeah. So things do change.
0: And and we won't bring up the fact that Jeremy still regrets selling the four eighty to our buddy Ed. I didn't I didn't want to talk about that. It Echo Delta Fox. <laughs>
2: well, oh, did, did yeah. I did I
0: is there a raw nerve here? Yeah, I'm as was Ger- as George was saying you don't I was remember like, this? Jeremy's no. steam's coming out of his headphones right now. I can just No,
3: see- <laughs> it's not it's not steam, it's it's sadness. I was I was crying. I was rocking in my chair and crying. <laughs>
0: yeah no i uh when
3: when ed w four e d f uh was getting into radio i at the time i i had the disposable income and uh a d d when it came to radios that i was like buying a radio keeping it for a while you know selling it at a loss going and buying another one um and ed was entering the market for h f and i had this radio i actually had it mounted in my car with uh with um a, a tar heel screwdriver uh antenna on the on the the Jeep Junior and uh you know I was like well you know what I want to go play with something else and I don't even remember what it was I went to go play with and I was like Ed I'll make you a fantastic deal on this radio and Ed kindly bought it and uh yeah I, of, of all the HF radios I've gotten rid of that is the one that I regret the most
0: mm-hmm. and Ed still loves it by the way every time I talk to Ed, <laughs> he's like hey man do you remember I bought Jeremy's 480 it's the best radio ever when you talk to him let him know I still love it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Ed, hope you're doing good, man. It's been a while. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So here, here's where Kale's at with this. Again, I don't do mobile HF and Jeremy, I'm going to come back to you in just a second, but, uh, I am flipping a coin right now. I've, I've got my TS 850 for sale. It's the big old school, you know, monster HF rig that sits on the desk and I'd like to sell it and I'd like to sell it to purchase either, the 7100 or the 480 and we don't have to have that discussion tonight but uh, the two is so funny that the two radios that you're talking about are the two that are in very serious contention if i can actually sell the other one so without selling it it doesn't matter it's a moot point but jeremy did you want to add anything else to the discussion of the two radios that i'm actually considering pretty heavily man it's
3: that it's hard the uh you know, at the time that I had the 480, I also had a, um, I had a 710, a Kenwood 710 uh, mounted in my vehicle. Having the one head is is very nice. It's it's very clean. It's uh, a very good looking control head in the 7100. Having just the one radio for all the capability, plus you get a digital mode. Um, I, I mean, I, I would definitely say overall, not even counting the fact that but after the mail-in rebate, it's like sixty bucks cheaper than the 480. But the 7100 is far and away just a lot more radio, a ton more radio. Yeah. And and so honestly, if I were making this decision today, and I were in your shoes, I am probably leaning towards the 7100.
2: So I get a question for you, Kale. Would you okay. be using this mostly at home, or would you be using it mostly? like in the in the vehicle while driving
0: no mobile hf for kill
2: 7100
0: okay yeah no no mobile hf that's not uh, that's that's 15 years off for me you, you know honestly
3: it's a it's it's not easy
2: no it's not
3: there there's a lot of there's a lot of work i mean we we did an episode with uh it was a k0 bg um about talking all the work that you have to do to prepare your vehicle. Uh, and and the antennas get really expensive very quickly. Uh, yeah. you know, it's basically you're starting at about four hundred bucks for the the Tar Heel, the little Tar Heel Two. And that's really uh, you really need a bigger antenna. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so, not feasible
0: with five kids in the car. I mean, no way. Well, <laughs> you know, and with the and with the van you have,
3: I mean, you, your van would have a twenty eight foot
0: yeah exactly clearance (laughs) exactly (laughs) so uh so there's no mobile hf for me but but i do you know it's going to replace the 850 on the bench and the reason that it is these two and and john the reason it's not the 72 which all of my boys love uh the reason it's not is because i like the i like it not taking a lot of space up on the deck you know just a small control head, whether it's the 480 or the 7100, I just like that. But it also gives me the the potential to slide it down into an MTM container and take it out, set it up for field day, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, or the potential of using it with our local ARIES group. So that's kind of why my head is kind of going that direction.
2: So, Cale, let me throw out just a couple quick things. I, I think that in terms of functionality, mm-hmm. the 7100 would be a better way to go and I'll echo something Jeremy said and that is you you do get d star with it so you could just have a you know at some point maybe a d star hotspot or something like that and um, it, the nice thing about a digital mode like d star is you're not relying on propagation being good you know you're you're working in the in the shack on something and you want to just listen to something in the background you can find activity always on right. the digital modes the second thing is that um, the For packaging up that radio, take a look at my uh, personal website, www.kj6vu.com. I wrote an article about how I packaged up a 7100 in one of those rigid tool cases. Yeah, I remember that one. And um, and it's really slick. We use it on field day. In fact, we ran our VHF 2-meter um, and, and 432 sideband station was a 7100. Worked great. My only, I only have one complaint about that radio. And that is that the control head is small and lightweight. And if you plug a microphone into it, like what's cool about the control head is you only need to run the control cable to the radio, nothing else. The control head has a speaker built in and a speaker jack. The control head has the mic jack, and the control head has the the paddle jack for your CW paddle. So actually, everything plugs into the control head. Well, if you plug your mic into the control head, which you would, and you move the mic around a lot, the, the, you can whip the control head around the desk <laughs> because it's not heavy at all. Right. So so if I were going to use it as a um, more of a base station, I would figure out a way to to mount it to something. You know, like a piece of plywood or, or something. Yeah. So it doesn't walk around the desk.
0: Good
3: idea. Yeah. And just remember, um, I feel like I know because I, I have this mounted in a, a, you know, uh, a gator case, like actually mounted whiskers. And I feel like this might have had like a, a traditional, um, uh, what is a quarter twenty four like tripod thread in the bottom of it if I'm not mistaken. You're exactly right because I've seen people use
2: like a Lido mount with that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well that would be that would be a way to solve the problem then. Yeah. Just you screw know, it into something.
3: Uh but you know one other thing that, that you did make me think of at least with the four eighty you get a one to three uh you know antenna matching unit. Um I mean, you're going to need to add something external to this. I mean, I have an LDG AT100 Pro 2. Um, there is a there's one that's a – I forget. It's like the LDG i100. I it's specifically for ICOM radios. Um, so that's something to keep in mind that you will want to add a second tuner or, or add an external
0: tuner to it probably.
3: Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just for paying for the buck, at, especially at 739, like it's – It's ridiculous
0: Okay, so since this is my show This is going to be my commercial If you want a really nice, nice 1990s vintage It's a cherry I'm not making it up It's a beautiful rig TS-850 Buy it so I can buy another radio Call me We'll work something out I've already got the shipping figured across the U.S. So, anyway Hey, anything else to add Before we're going to take a break right here And come back in just a moment uh, Or are we good here on this mobile HF discussion? Okay. I think we're good. think we're good. All right, guys, stick around. We'll be right back in just a moment. You're listening to episode whatever it is, but it's the super special number four shopping show special edition program here of the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Back in a moment. Merry Christmas. So it's time for the second annual Help a Ham charity giveaway that Maine Trading Company does. It's a really cool thing. It's kind of two parts, and I want to try to explain it to you just in case you don't really understand what's going on down there. Richard and Christine Lenore own Maine Trading Company in Paris, Texas. They have a giveaway every year that you can participate in a couple of different ways. What they're looking for is someone who is an amateur radio operator who's, who's down on their luck, having a hard time. It, that might be you listening, by the way. Uh, needs some gear. Maybe, you know, got caught up in a lightning storm or maybe one of the fires out west or even the hurricanes that came up the Gulf Coast and you lost your gear. You, you have a, a need that needs to be met. Well, they're taking nominations for amateur radio operators right now who fit that bill. If that's you, that's great. If you know someone... That's in that shape. You can nominate them right now at mtcradio.com and they'll be put into the drawing. Right? They'll they'll take all of um, all the nominations they receive. They'll go through them and they'll pick one or two that they can best serve. Now, as well as nominating folks, you can also donate as little as one dollar. Now, I've done more than that, and I want to encourage you to do the same. Uh, not this doesn't like get you anything for free you're helping someone else right the the spirit of giving i guess is what we'll say here and you can do that at main trading company.com mtc radio.com if you go to the show notes at hamradio radio 360.com scroll all the way to the bottom of the show notes for this show there's a link there or just go to mtcradio.com. you'll see santa claus there click on him give some bucks guys uh, you know you can skip a cup of coffee on monday morning to help another ham uh MTC Radio will be putting in some funds as well as working with uh, manufacturers to try to get some price breaks on things to really make this happen. But, 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 they need your help. They need my help and I'll probably give some more. It's a great cause. It costs a few bucks on your end, could make someone really happy on the other end, and it's a great way to build this amateur radio community. That's all I'm gonna say about it now, but you can find it at MTCradio.com, find help a ham there, be a part of making someone else's holiday season a little brighter. So let's keep this thing rolling, and speaking of rolling, we're not getting into the shack yet. Although we've talked about things that you can use in the shack as a base station and and things that you could use in your vehicle mobile and then pedestrian mobile, of course, with a handy talkie. Actually, my first base station was a handy talkie. We're not going back down that road, but we are going outside, and we're going to talk about portable gear. We're going to talk about field day gear, field radio gear, and, and we've got some guys right here who are just full of knowledge george you 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 get it you get out you're skinny you go climb mountains and talk on radios and y'all have big field day at bay and all this stuff so let's talk about some field operable gear whether it's field day field radio gear or you're taking it on soda type things let's kind of just mash those together and uh just just get some hints and uh what you like for those types of scenarios we're no go- they're going to be different of course but uh because there's different a lot of different uh variables there but but let us know what you what you're thinking on that.
2: You know that that is such a hot topic now. There's so many people who are getting into operating portable, not just for soda stuff but just, you know, go to the park portable because the radios are so small and the batteries are getting lighter. It's it's just such an exciting area and there are so many good ones to pick from. And for me, I'd say at the extreme um, soda end of things, in other words, the smallest, lightest portable thing you can get away with, it's pretty hands down the K, um, K2, K, not the K2, the KX2, Two. Um, thank you, uh, Elecraft, uh radio, it's been out for a year and a half uh, because it's the smallest radio that has the best performance and the feature set that you want. So that's absolutely my favorite. Uh, I like it better than my KX3, which is actually a better radio a little bit. Uh, but the KX2 is just so small, and you're really not sacrificing any performance. So, that's a top pick. The um, 817 is still super popular. That thing, that thing has a longer life than it deserves because it's it's been, it's been in the market for like what, 15 years. Jeremy, you probably know. Um, well, it, it's probably longer than that because it's
3: actually had two life, two lives. There was the 817, then the 817 ND.
2: That's right. That's right. So, even the the ND version, I think that thing is like twelve fifteen years old at this point. But that that's popular,
0: um, and it's half the price as the Elacraft. So, somebody wanting to get into soda, that's a good choice.
2: Well, it's not quite half the price. So, so the eight seventeen is still about six hundred and fifty bucks, and the KX two, the base model, is about eight hundred. And now, that's
3: that's six hundred fifty bucks with no filters. Right and no high precision uh, oscillator
2: and no antenna tuner. So if you're really car- carrying uh, comparing apples to apples, it's really 650 versus 800. Mm. Now, the one thing that the the KX2 doesn't have, it doesn't have two meters and 440 or in 432 sideband. So if you really want VHF in the same radio, then it's kind of no contest. You kind of have to go with the 817. But the um, when you go to add the accessories like an antenna tuner, it's it, it would be built into the KX two. Whereas with the FT eight seventeen, it's external. Mm-hmm. The batteries in the KX two last much longer than the batteries in the FT eight seventeen because uh, part because the the F, the KX two consumes less current, less power than the eight seventeen, and partly because the batteries in the eight seventeen are typically. Uh, going to be double A's or uh, nickel metal hydrides or some similar rechargeable battery that's that's not quite the energy density of the lithium ion that's in the in the KX two. Mm-hmm. So um, for a whole bunch of reasons, I my my pick would really be the the KX two. Now, one guy who would who has an interesting point of view is the um, the fellow that does the uh, Tech Nord uh, video yeah, series. Julian. Julian oh 8
0: yeah. stn
2: yeah so Julian's uh, top pick is the 817 and he made a very good point in one of his videos he said that that of all the radios it's it's one of the most rugged and and I would agree because it's it's a it's a pretty stout little box with a nice uh, extruded aluminum kind of uh, you know front panel It it probably is mechanically more durable so I'd, I'd give it uh, points for that.
0: And and they've been around for so long, and there's a load of them on the used market. If you you can you can that direction, you can really save a lot of money. Get on the side of the mountain yeah. and make some contacts.
2: That's a good point. That's a good point. And those those radios they'll really last. So I think for real portable stuff, that's what I would look at for for field day. Uh, you know, drive the radio to the park. Kind of field day. Boy, it's like almost anything is is viable. I. You know, the, probably my two favorites would be the 7300, and I kind of have uh, – I'm kind of going back and forth on the on the FT-991. So when the 991 first came out before the 7300, I thought, well, that's great. It's got everything just like the older Yesu 897s, uh, 857, et cetera. And uh, then I realized that their spectrum scope, which is a great new feature, only works when you press the button. And since then, with the A model, they've fixed that. So that, that kind of that, – that feature, that, that kind of poorly implemented feature kind of put that radio on my uh, not, not favorite radio list. Mm,
0: I got
2: you. <laughs> so I didn't really care for it that way. But um, I've upgraded mine to the 991 by having Yesu install the – upgraded pan adapter and whatever else they change. And it was, you know, it was 300 bucks to do it, it, which was not that bad. Originally, I heard it was going to be about 500, but the price came down. So I think that's not too unreasonable. So there's a case where the manufacturer actually did provide a path to upgrade. So I effectively have a, a 991. And so now that I've got the, or A rather, so now that it's upgraded and the spectrum scope works real time with the Simultaneously with receiving, and it's it's a it's a slightly more compact radio than the seventy three hundred. Plus, it has VHF and UHF. And you know, I'm I'm kind of going from uh, I can't stand this thing to uh, I could see where that would be a decent field day radio. So, I think at the end of the day, the seventy three hundred is a nicer looking radio, better display, but um, but the nine nine one is is a is a pretty good second best contender for a field day radio, I would say.
0: Very good, very good. Don't write it off, I guess. It's
2: the- no, don't write it off. And I've really like, gone back and forth in this thing, and now I'm kind of getting back into it. So. Well, I
0: remember when you got it, and you were my, you you really didn't like it. I remember that. No. You didn't like no,
2: it. No, I, di- I really didn't, and I was, I was just really irritated by the, the stupid spectroscope only running when the audio was off. That just soured me, but... Yeah. I'm kind of getting back into it.
0: Yeah, so, John, you do a podcast about field radio. Uh, We've talked about Julian. We know he gets out there in the snow and does crazy stuff. But what are you talking about, John, to your audience when it comes to field radio HF gear, whether it's packing it in or driving it out, like George says? Where do you you fall out?
1: Well, my idea of of going light is I only take the ATV and the F-250 truck up. And I leave the 16 foot and the 32 foot trailer home. Um, so I, I, I noticed how you went to the George, the skinny guy, for the soda stuff, and not George, not Jeremy and I. Um, I don't know, Jeremy, if you picked up on that or not. Yeah, yeah no, sorry, guys. I, I, I that, is, I definitely that must in. be
0: one of the Freudian things. Sorry about that. It was George's turn to go first. <laughs> no problem. Like a bunch of kids. Well, like, like I said, kind of like.
1: Like I said earlier, yeah, it's a, it's a 7300 on field day, uh, and the 7200, and you kind of talked about 7200 not really fitting in a box. I don't – I used to have the 7200, ICOM 7200. I used to have it in a, a rack, and it was nice, but I that thing stands alone. I like it just on the table by itself. Uh, yeah. it, it doesn't – I can't really – I've tried to fit it into boxes, and it, I don't think it needs to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, like I said, 7300 and – uh, I think Jeremy and Georgia pointed out the 7300 on field day is, uh, you know, you do get that overload, and I saw that at field day, uh, just with a an 857 in the campground transmitting on a different band. Uh, I saw the overload on the on the on the display. So yeah, probably you got to do some things to the 7300 if you're going to be in a multi multi operator uh, field day. Uh, but like I said, then you know, the the legacy like, KX KX3. Uh, kx2 i just i got an interview coming up with stewart uh talked about how he uh, in fact he just released that youtube video of of how he went maritime mobile <laughs> yeah. with uh with an alex loop and a Arr, man. in his aircraft
0: <laughs> did you re- did you recognize the music there was the what do you do with a scurvy pirate When the when the video (laughs) that was very good. I I didn't I didn't realize it, but after I watched the video, I walked away whistling that, and I thought to myself, "Where did that come from?" And I went back and started the video, and it's under it's you know it's a sound (laughs) bed there. KB1HQS, great guy, and uh, shout out to Stuart, man, he's just he's he's still having fun. Actually, I got a spot for him earlier today, and I wasn't. I'll talk about my phone later, but I couldn't spot him on on the internet. So, anyway, so you're you're saying seventy three hundred? Uh, I know Jeremy's going to say seventy three hundred. We're going to let him say it here in just a second. But you're also saying the Ellicraft rigs as well, uh, as well as the seventy two hundred on the park bench on the uh, picnic table there in the campground. You're happy with that?
1: Yeah, and coming like I said, I don't do that much. I, you know, I want to get into the more soda type stuff. Uh, but just interviewing Stuart recently, he's saying you know just. Even if he has an antenna fail, he has a you know he can just banana uh, connect into that. As you said, it's just it's what he does and what he goes to when he uh, gets up on the hills. You know he's real skinny too. Of course, the king of it, (laughs) he is. Of
0: course, he's (laughs) he's the the king of
1: Napotas.
0: Yeah, yeah, he won it all, baby. (laughs) KB1HQS, what's up, bro? So okay, Jeremy, uh, we we know that you've had what one or two field days now with a seventy-three hundred. And uh, we know that you've you've had the 480 you've mentioned. Uh, I'm sure you use that. Um, you've, you've had a 450, I remember, in a box at a yep. time. So, tell us uh, and tell us what yeah, you're talking okay. about. Well,
3: um, let me let me plus one the other KX2, for. You know, pocket portable. Uh, I think for a, a portable QRP rig, there literally is a, for HF. There, there is just not a better option between the tuner, the onboard high uh, capacity lithium battery, um, all of that. KX two hands down. Now, I um, for field day. Or, you know, like if the type of stuff that John does, it might be extended field portable ops. Yes, I think the 7300 is a fantastic radio, but it is actually not going to be my first choice. And there's a couple reasons. Um, the 7300 is a landmark radio in our hobby, period. Um, it, it is something that uh, if, if somebody has, well, actually, gosh, what are they down to now?
0: Oh, they're less than 13, 15, something like that. Yeah, less than 13 on sale. Oh no. Yeah.
3: Kidding. So 12, yeah. MTC list. It says after mail and rebate, 1248, um, fantastic radio worth saving your pennies for, et cetera. It's everything that everybody says it is. However, um, one of the things that I was disappointed when I got mine was I was like, wow, these knobs feel a little more rickety than I'm used to on some of ICOM's other gear. Um, you know, the front end of the radio is really designed to be operated alone, as uh, John referenced. And this is something that both he and I have experienced getting, uh, you know, other stations at Field Day into the radio. I mean, it has built-in protection and whatnot. But again, it's really not designed to to be operated in a uh, without some front-end filtering in an area where it's going to be doing other radios. So, um For field days that I've done, uh, the radios that I have run is uh, a Yaesu FT897, which is no longer manufactured. That radio was spiritually replaced by the 991 that George mentioned. Um, It was cool because it was a box. You could buy battery packs that went into it. It had a tuner that bolted on the side of it, and it was a neat... All in one package that also gave you VHF and UHF. Um, it's cool, but I also remember in a previous episode I said let's stop talking about the 857 and 897, which are two of the most ubiquitous like portable HF radios ever. Um, there's so much better technology now, so um, I have run a Yaesu 450, which was interesting. The radio itself is actually pretty good. Uh, two issues that I had with it is getting um, levels and ALC to work properly to do PSK31. It was like having to balance, um, you know, a Mac truck on the edge of a knife, and it right, was something I never really had a lot of success with. Uh, the filtering on that radio is artificially crippled, so it's not continuously variable bandwidth settings and whatnot. Like there are pre made notches. And as it turns out, most of the time, what I really wanted was always in between two settings. Uh, still, still a decent radio with a lot of good features. Um, done the 7,300, which I've, I've covered that. Um, honestly, I'm going to kind of agree with John, I think for a field portable package, the 7,200 the yeah, iCom 7200 is a fantastic way to go. The only thing you're really missing from it is a just you know so folks know it does not do FM, uh, and it also does not have a built-in auto tuner. So not necessarily a big deal. I don't really the six-meter FM, for instance, um, when we would do. Uh, the, the, um, the bull run in, in, uh, out in Manassas uh, Park in Virginia. We usually used uh, 6 meters FM for the communications, so you wouldn't be able to use it in a situation like that. But for all, all other like sideband, CW, digital modes, and AM, the radio has you covered. Now, the other thing I will point out is um, I own and am a big fan of the Elecraft KX3. This radio is interesting because it's not just a radio, it's a system. And by that, I mean you start off with the base radio, which is 160 through 6 meters. There is a low-power 2-meter module option available for it. Uh, It has an antenna tuner option. It has some uh, beefed-up front-end filtering available as an option. It has internal AA batteries. It can run up to 15 watts on certain HF bands by itself. In the system, in addition to that, they make a uh, what is called the KXPA100, which is a 100 watt amplifier uh, that interfaces directly with the radio. And uh, I have used that combination at Field Day to great success. There is also a pan adapter available called the PX3, which last year for Field Day we did all QRP, so I just used the KX3 and the PX3. Uh, you know, of course, the pan adapter just makes your HF operating experience so much more enjoyable. Uh, and this is part of the reason we all love the 7300. So um, yeah, my my two picks are probably going to be the 7200 and the um, the KX3 and the the various components. I really would love to pick up a 7200, uh, but I just not in a position where I have like radios set aside, for specific use cases like that. But that that would those would be my picks.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna good. throw one more comment on on yeah. your comment, Jeremy, and that is uh, in in thinking about field day uh one more level of detail if your field day is you know two guys at the park one on 2 meters and one on 40 meters then your the receiver performance can be like almost any radio that's decent if you're at a field day where you've got a dozen stations and there's just a lot of rf on all the bands then the performance of the receiver starts to become a really important thing uh, which is really where the Elecraft radios, I think, shine. So that's another consideration. What so, you know, Why do they take uh, K3s on de-expeditions? It's not just because they're a good radio, but it's because they keep everybody else's transmitter out of their front end better than most. So that's a thought If if you're doing kind of a really serious field day with a lot of transmitters. You know, not
3: at all related to anything that you just said, but it did spark another thought. Go ahead. So, uh, you know, one of the things, earlier I mentioned a discontinued radio that I'd recommend, the IC92AD handheld. Another portable radio that I think is still a very good option, it, the only thing that it, it really doesn't have is it doesn't have the modern um, IF DSP. It's still an audio frequency DSP radio, um, but I think John mentioned this earlier, but the ICOM 706 Mark II G. Uh still has a really good receiver in it for all the radios in that class, VHF and UHF, uh, and a very densely built, relatively rugged portable radio that could also you know operate as a mobile very well. Um, so yeah, I'll throw that one out there too as another one. if if you're if you're not looking to spend the big bucks or buy a new radio, that's that's a good one to find on the used market. although truthfully, they are still so popular they can be difficult to find.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and but but we get back to the point that you can really save some money on those things if and if you can find them. I know that our local club had a an auction I was unable to attend. Unfortunately, this is the most unfortunate part of it. There was one that was virtually brand new in a box that sold for three hundred fifty bucks. Oh, and, wow! Yeah, talk That's about a making a man sick. And this yeah. was this was three or four years ago, so this was a a really good deal for three fifty. So, yeah, that there, there's a lot of gear out there. Uh, that can be had, you just have to kind of be smart and know what you're looking for. Again, knowing what you're wanting to do with it. And one radio I haven't heard anybody mention, it's a very interesting radio to me. And it's the 891 from Yesu. Uh, It's a full power HF plus six, uh, very pretty display. Uh, But I I don't hear, and they're $550, 100 watt rig. Um, It's not made to be you know, put in a backpack and take up the side of the mountain, but it could be mobile, it could be a uh a park bench type thing with a bioeno battery, but I hear nobody talking about these things. Five hundred and fifty dollars, it's virtually a brand new release, maybe two years old now, and and nobody's talking about it at all. So do, yeah, you, do you guys that, hear that, anybody like, anything on that?
2: That's like the eight fifty seven replacement, I think. Kinda, um, yes. It's no V H F new UHF. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Right. Um,
3: you know, what I would say is I, I think that it is probably a fine radio for the money. The, um, it, it is relatively small. You, you say it's not made to be thrown in a backpack, but it very easily could be, um, you know, the display is one of the most beautiful, uh, you know, white backlit black display. Like Icom could really, you know, use sniping whoever their front end <laughs> engineer is for that, uh, to learn how to do that. Um, but, I mean, it probably is a decent uh, example. I know a lot of people who started with, um, what's the low-end ICOM? Is it the 710? 718. 718. Um, you know, there, there's a, there's probably a good chance that I would say that this Yaesu 891 is a better first option than yeah. the, the 718, just because, again, more modern
0: technology. Exactly, yeah. I, I think one of the things that may be hampering it, and I've read it, read some on the forums uh, is that it? It is a yesu. It's very menu driven, so that may be the problem. Um, is is you know, three they, buttons five hundred
2: possibilities? They sold a boatload of eight fifty sevens, and I don't think this is any easier. Or I'm guessing just by looking at the the layout of the front panel and the buttons, it's probably similar. So I can't imagine the user inter- interface is a big detractor to it. I I'm kind of surprised I don't hear more about this radio, frankly. So it's I don't, don't know. Maybe
0: fifty dollars.
2: Yeah, maybe there's something else that we don't know in don't terms know. of its performance. Um, I don't know, John. It's, it's John kinda do you,
0: you hear anything in Utah on the eight fifty eight ninety one? Sorry,
1: I haven't. Yesu, like I said, it's mostly Kenwood iCom. What I hear out here, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've come been kind of, and, and it, once again, it's I think. Maybe everybody just ran out of money after
0: buying all the 7,300s. <laughs> they bought they bought KX2s, and then they bought the 7,300, and it was over. Yeah, so, so, okay, we, we've, got a, we've got a really huge audience here that are still hopefully listening to us as we ramble on about buying radios. Uh, guys, if you're out there and you've got the 891, we would really sincerely be interested in hearing about it because you've heard here you've got four guys that uh, have connections and, and talk to people all the time that, don't know anything about this radio, so you're out there you've got one like it, love it, hate it, want it whatever, let us know you can hit you can find us all online. you know how to do that, but we would like to know because it we could maybe suggest it or steer someone away from it if if it's not what they're looking for so uh i, I want to talk uh we mentioned it for just a minute, Jeremy, you kind of touched on it, the budget friendly thing um. But before we get there, I want to ask you guys uh, just one at a time, and we'll start with uh, John this time, um, what is something that you found this year um, that is is not what you anticipated finding, but you found something for radio, and it really, it really kind of lit your fire? Uh, you didn't realize that uh, it was there, you got it, you heard about it, found it, and now you're crazy about it.
1: So what I found it's, and I never thought I would really kind of need one of these, but it's from West Mountain Radio, and it's their. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, of course, the name of it. It's their power. It's not their power monitor, but it's their power tester.
3: The power um, check.
1: The, is it the power check? That's it. The, is the
3: power check?
1: Yeah. So this is not. It's it's not like you put it in line to use it it's not the one that uh no it's the battery analyzer oh
3: this like the cba
1: yeah there we go so the cba battery analyzer so this is something that's not a you're not going to put it in line and use it while you're operating this is to test your batteries Uh, so you what you do is you hook up a battery to this and then you hook this to the computer and you tell it what kind of load you want to give it and it will it will essentially drain that battery at, a, at the amperage you tell it until you tell it the voltage cutoff point. And it'll measure the performance of that battery. And it'll do it for lithium iron phosphates and, and the traditional SLAs or AGMs. Uh, but one thing I found interesting, and this is why I was really interested about it, was it'll also map the performance of solar panels. And so that's kind of a big thing for us in, in the hobby now is uh, solar panels. And, and how do you how do you know the performance of a solar panel, uh, without, you know, just going by the specs and, and what's basically coming out of China with different names on it. Uh, so this will do that too. You can load up a solar panel and it'll map, uh, what, what you have and, and what your power output is. And, and then you can do things like I had a AGM battery that was well past life. So I went ahead and, and put it on the, bring it back to life mode. And it, it, uh, it restored it. And I, I saw, you know, how much it was able to restore that battery. And then I did it again and did it again. And because <laughs> it was an old battery, I thought, oh, let's keep doing it until I finally saw diminished returns. But so when you look at all the batteries you have, whether they're in your go kits or, uh, you know, whatever you have, you're using, you really don't know beyond just kind of anecdotal experience of that battery. Is that battery due to be replaced or how is it performing or, ab comparison and so the computer battery analyzer has really been a, a fun tool for me and i plan on putting out some youtube videos on this to kind of show <laughs> what you can do with it
0: yeah yeah that's cool that's cool stuff george have you run over anything in the bay area this year that you just since you lost your hro um <laughs> yes have you found anything to uh, to kind of replace it with i mean have you found stumbled or anything like that i, I didn't even know about that but uh but what have you found this year? Because you're always into stuff. Gosh, two, well, two
2: things I think w- w- kind of pleasantly surprised me. One thing I want to give John credit for, and that is he he pointed out those um, Wago uh, wire nuts. Mm. And I would used the that earlier version of those. That was yeah. John. Oh, that's why I said. I want to give no, John you credit.
3: Said, you said Jeremy. Oh, did I? Oh, did? Yeah. It's okay.
2: John.
0: I thought
3: they were Wago. What is it? Vago. Vago. <laughs> get get it, it, like Let right. the
0: redneck get it right for you. Uh-huh. Vago.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you sir. You're welcome. So I I had bought the earlier version of those things several years ago and and used them here and there and I didn't know there was a new version and when you talked about it on your show I looked them up and I thought, "Oh my man, those are even better." And so I I bought a boatload of them and I used them in uh, some radio projects and and I think those are just a a winner. That that's a that's a little treasure. So that was a great find. The other thing that uh was a rather pleasant surprise was getting a Shark RF open spot. And I've used a number of hotspots like Raspberry Pis and the like for D-Star hotspots and DV dongles and uh, DVAPs and such. But I hadn't uh, played around with that. And the reason I got it was Jeremy uh, cajoled me into getting a DMR radio. And so, of course, I had to get a uh, open spot to go with it. And the DMR radio is kind of fun, but I, I've been using the OpenSpot for DMR and for D-Star, and it's great. It's got a nice web user interface to configure it. It's a nice user interface, works well. It's a standalone device; you don't need to run it into a PC. If you have an Ethernet jack somewhere, you just plug it in. So that's been a, a really nice, uh, a pleasant surprise finding that thing. Cool, Jeremy. What have you? Uh, what have you found this year?
3: Um. You know, I I think I technically... Found this last year, actually, when uh, I was at Shelby with my wife for anniversary, uh, and we, you know, came down to visit you uh, down there. Uh, As we were leaving, on the back of uh, this little hatchback was the cutest little disco antenna I had ever seen in my life. Um, You know, I ended up, the guy who owned the car happened to come by before we walked on, and the, uh, the antenna is a Diamond D220R. And it is uh They sell it as a mobile scanner antenna. The antenna terminates to a PL259, which is, of course, a very common uh, for the different like lip mounts and hatchback mounts that are sold by Diamond and Comet. That's a very common uh, termination point. Um, but what he was using it for was basically to plug into an RTL SDR dongle and go around and just see what signals there were. Uh, so I picked one of these things up here locally from RL Electronics and uh, have you know Billy's basically fashioned a contraption uh, to mount it uh, to a mounting plate and attach it to a tripod, and it is now my primary receiving antenna uh, for anything above 100 megahertz. It is it is technically um you know, listed as one hundred to uh one point one hundred to sixteen hundred megahertz um, but this thing is so much smaller than like a traditional like diamond uh d one thirty discone uh so you know it sells for about a hundred bucks um, so that's that's been fantastic um number two and this was uh one of my dayton pickups this year is, uh, so, you know, we've talked in depth about the, popular, the popularity of DMR and the TITERA uh, MD380 as the $99 gateway drug to to DMR. Um, I have really become a big fan of DMR, have a hotspot in here. We have a couple of really good repeaters uh, here in the area that I can hit with an HT, and I decided I wanted something a little bit better than uh, the MD380. So, at Dayton this year, a company called Gigaparts um, is a distributor now for a commercial manufacturer called Hytera, H Y T E R A. They're not Motorola's, but they don't cost anywhere near Motorola's either. But they are—I mean—they're commercial, you know, UHF uh, DMR gear, and uh, there is a much higher pain point for programming them as far as like the the options that are in the uh the CPS software uh did take a lot more research and whatnot but as far as like a rugged amazingly performant just quiet long battery life like i i i can't say enough about it it's not a must buy but it was a nice to buy and it is now fortunately my club uh, our talk around stuff is all UHF we use UHF repeaters uh so i have a bunch of analog frequencies uh programmed into a couple of zones uh, I have really enjoyed my my uh, terror. The model that I have specifically is the six eighty two. Um, Gigapart sells a mobile and like three or four different handhelds, including this cool little handheld called the three eighty two, that is uh, it's USB rechargeable, and it's only like uh, two or three watts. And it's perfect for if all you're going to do you, use this for is a hotspot.
0: Nice, nice, cool stuff. And then uh, the last thing
3: and this is something also we we've talked about before in in terms of software defined radios but um you know along with getting this antenna i really 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 you know went hardcore full on into uh setting up software defined receivers upstairs in the second floor of my house and uh, as i mentioned on uh, the workbench and here i'm a huge fan of the airspy models um I have currently an AirSpy Mini, which is a $99, uh, you know, uh, dongle that'll do 24 megahertz to Uh, 1.5 or 1.6 or maybe 1.8 gigahertz. I can't remember. Uh, It'll give you 4.8 megahertz of bandwidth in your Spectrum display. Um, but it is such a, a quality piece of equipment, wide bandwidth, and is the perfect $99 gateway drug into software-defined radios. So that 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 continues to be at the top of my list, especially with all of the software stuff that uh, the developer has done this year to allow uh, remote monitoring and remote management of these dongles. I won't bore you with those details. Check out the workbench because I've talked in depth about all of these, um, and we're actually lo- getting uh, looking at having uh, Yusuf come on to talk about Airspy and, and, uh, SDR sharp in depth. So, uh, again, SDR stuff is just a lot of fun.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, I, uh, I hate DMR radio, um, and, and no offense to anybody that loves it, but I just can't stand to listen to it. It just, for whatever reason, I never turn mine on cause it makes my skin crawl and that's my CSI and the TYT. So I don't know what it's a, it's a ear thing, I guess. Um, uh, as you guys have been talking, I've been trying to figure out, wow, what if, uh, I, I can't think of anything, so sorry. Um, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of new stuff hanging around here, uh, but I do have a TS-850 if anyone's interested, by the way, uh, we can, we can give me something to talk about next year. But, uh, if I, if, if I do have to say one thing, um, and, and I've got, um, actually I sold my DMR radio and, and a couple of other things this year, but I did wind up with an Alinko. This is so funny. I, I wound up with an Alinko. DR-135, you heard Kenneth talk about these radios a couple of times. And uh, I guess it's really the only thing new around here that to talk about. I, f- I found it, a guy bought it at Dayton uh, and didn't like it for whatever reason. I bought it and brought it here in the shack. And I've got it connected to the uh, a- an older Cantronics KPC- KPC-3 non-plus that I've actually got working on packet right now. I'm really excited that this is happening in my shack but uh, this radio is so impressive to me simply because I think, my, I think my six-year-old daughter could come up here and figure out how to make it work and do what she wanted it to do. And with the advent of all the technology that we enjoy, a lot of it, and we've talked about it here and there throughout the show, is, is how it can be overwhelming at times. And, and there's so many buttons to press and things to do. But this Olenco radio... And I'm a big fan of my Kenwood TM281s. Matter of fact, I've got a, I've got a handful of those, but this Elenco, for what it is, it is just it is the it's the most stupid simple radio I've ever touched, and uh, I'm leaving it on, running it all the time, no problems with it at all, and I, I think that's what it's intended to do. But uh, I've really been excited about that, how just simple it is to use. Um, my my Uniden, Trunk Tracker 5 is not simple to use, but this Elenco radio is very simple, and I'm still excited about it, and it's working flawlessly for me right now. I I, I can't think of anything else. I apologize to be so boring, um, but, uh, you know, I'm on break, so give me a break, right?
2: But, you know, Kale, I, I would underscore one of the points you're making there, which is that the a simple-to-use radio it could actually be one of the best biggest features. Yeah. So I, I have a one of these old Kenwood single band mobiles. It's a TM, I don't know, four something or another. And there there is no menu. There's only a row of like five buttons on it. And there's a function that gives you another function for each of those five buttons. Mm-hmm. And the buttons are shift, tone, um you know, it's it's the most basic features, and I actually really love the radio because it's so simple. And I, I got one of those for sale, too, by the way.
0: <laughs> do you really? I do. I, we well, it's a, it's a 231. It's not a 431. It's a 231, but
2: go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just saying that, the, you know, depending on what you're doing with the radio, that could be the thing to look for. Honestly, the the the, the one of the best uses of those kind of radios is in an MCOM environment. In an MCOM environment, when bad things are happening, you tend to get tunnel vision and things that are complicated are easily forgotten in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think radios like that really are the best kind of radios to have. Why is it that commercial radios are even simpler, aside from the fact that people that use them are not radio people? It's because... All you can handle is volume and channel yeah. when bad things are happening. And so I think there's a big psychological consideration. So if you want a a radio for your public service events, you want a simple radio. You don't want to be sitting there going, man, I knew that there's a button <laughs> to press somewhere. You know, it's Jeremy's menu item 432. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I well, think that's where I'm the looking, I'm, is. You know, another thing about this radio, I'm just sitting here as you're talking, looking across the shack because I'm I'm six, 6, 8, 10 feet away. I can read the display from here. The display is so big and so bright, (laughs) I'm across the room and can read it. Now, you won't want to leave this on in your shack and try to sleep in there, but uh, (laughs) I mean, you can sit across the room. And to me, again, I I mean, my my most favorite radio is a two-band or two-meter single-band handheld. You shouldn't expect a whole lot from Kale, right? But this radio is just the most simple thing ever. And and it should be. There should be options like that for someone who doesn't need anything, but you know, 50 Watts in a microphone. So that, that's my, uh, that's what I stumbled into this year. And I, and I've got a mini, by the way, I've used it. Some, the Airspy mini with some ADSB stuff works great. And, um, I need to get back into that, but, um, uh, the, 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 the DR thirty five. Kenneth convinced me to buy one when I found it on the Q QTH swap page. It was a good deal. I bought it and I'm glad I did. So, uh, thank you guys for all of that. Uh, we've talked some budget friendly stuff. Are there because there's people listening that are like, "How do y'all have so many radios?" I got friends of mine. God, dude, what do you? You got 11 VHF radios? I'm like, well, I've been <laughs> a ham for six years, and I've been trying to build an APRS and a packet network both. So I've got I've accumulated. That's why so I'm cleaning some stuff out. But you know, not everybody can do all this stuff, and a lot of people can get discouraged when they hear us talk about. Well, you know, I'll get my KX three to do this, and I'll get my KX two to do that, but. You don't start there. Most people don't. So, are there any good budget friendly ideas uh, for somebody coming whether, from, the, from the bottom to the top? No Chinese handy talk is included in the conversation, but anything past that that you're looking for um, that, are, that are a good budget conscious buy for someone maybe who has five kids or maybe they're, they're already working two jobs and, and putting a kid through college? And, and I think. Go, go ahead.
1: I, I think it's, it, that's where you really need to start hitting the swap meets. Um, like, my secondary radio is is the ICOM V8000. And once again, I mean, it's a 2-meter it's a only 65-watt output. But that's a brick. And like you talked about, that's fairly easy to use. I don't keep a manual around. I don't use it that often except when I need a secondary radio or need the extra power uh, for very remote operations, but um, my father picked one of those up at a local swap meet for $10. Um, wow. So I don't know if it's because it's not dual band. People discount it. Um, so there's, like I said, there the swap meets, there are fines like that out there. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if you are, you know, in, in the getting started and not really sure what you want, uh, you know, once again, always buyer beware for online purchases, but Hitting up local swap meets or or making that trip to Dayton with a purpose of going out to the mud pits and uh, <laughs> seeing what what you can find out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. What about you, Jeremy?
3: Well, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of what were really top shelf radios in their time um, that can be had now. I mean, the the ninety two that I the IC ninety two AD that I mentioned. Um, if memory serves, it was like four eighty nine to get started and now it can routinely be had for under two hundred bucks. Um the seven oh six Mark two G is still a fantastic HF radio. Um as far as VHF radio is being able to find, um, you know, Yesu 8800s, eight, eight, I think are going to start going down in price. Um, finding even uh, the, you know, we mentioned the 7900, but even the 7800, which is relatively close to the same thing as the 7900. Um, you know, and I, I think really the key to this is that you can still have a lot of enjoyment, uh, and you can go the the low cost way either by looking at a lot of the the Chinese options that are coming to our shores that we mentioned, and in uh, you know anything other than Bao Fang maybe, um, but then also you know this is where knowing folks in your club who have experience with older equipment, like the the you know the two thirty one four thirty one conversation that George and and, and uh, Kale just had, like I have no idea what those radios are, but I know if if i were in a pinch and needed something i would go to them and say hey what's something that's a little bit older that uh i could get into and not you know have to worry about and they would tell me and so that's where uh, your relationships and your elmers uh can really uh come to the rescue
0: boy is that not the best uh, some of the best advice you could give is that elmer because they've already seen the past history of a product and, uh, they can, they can, in matter of fact, let me tell you how I came into the TM two thirty one family it was, uh, an Elmer of mine in nine LPT had one. He said, uh, I don't, I don't need this. Do you want to buy it? And I said, sure. I think it's, you know, I can't remember what it was now, but it was a really good deal. And he's, he said, these are really good radios. And another guy standing there with him was like, yes, those are very good radios. These guys know what they're talking about. I mean, the, the radio is 25 years old, right? It's got tones in it, but not much more. And, uh, I've had hand, I don't know, I might've had five or six over the time and I've, I've whittled it down. I've got one or two left now, but the thing is, is they're really solid, good, just two meter rigs. And that's all they do. And that's all that you may need them to do. So, um, the Elmer having that experience, uh, they can also say, you know, that really wasn't a great radio back in the day. You may want to reconsider and, and that can end up saving you more money than you think that you're saving on the front end. So that's a very good point. And it's something I think we sometimes forget to think down that road. But uh, having someone to help you make that decision. And, of course, you know, th- this will sound funny to some people. It won't surprise others. I know you guys get them, and, and I get questions a lot, too. What do you think about X? What do you think about Y? Not that we're people's Elmers, but they do trust our opinions and hope that we can offer some further insight into their decisions, which is the entire reason we've done this program today. So. You know, I hope that everyone's enjoyed this. Um, and before we go, Jeremy's favorite part of this show is talking about stocking stuffers. I think he's got a list. So we're going to let him get started first, and then we'll just go to George and John and with any types of stocking stuffers for us, uh, as us as we wind down the uh, Super Gosh Special Edition Show Number 4 for the Shopping Ham Radio 360 podcast. Go ahead, Jeremy
3: so i'm gonna i'm gonna repeat myself uh number one first and foremost power poles
0: power pull the you, hashtag power you, pull the you world.
3: can't you can't power pole the world if you don't have enough power poles um power poles uh, r f adapters uh small jumper cables of varying kinds uh you know things that will help you work on coax or to build your own cables uh crimp tools for for power poles i mean all all of that kind of like secondary like uh you know bits and bobs pieces and parts kind of stuff that go along with this hobby uh are always good um, a couple of other things i'll add is i've already i've already mentioned. All of these in one capacity or another, but um, you know, at the, they're all right around the hundred dollar mark. Again, the Airspy Mini for somebody who wants to get into uh, software defined radios, and uh, you know, wants to get a, a quality piece of equipment, uh, that's there at ninety nine dollars. The Taitera MD380 for somebody who wants to dip their toe in the DMR waters, uh, or somebody who is interested in setting up a hotspot board, which again we've talked about in previous episodes. Uh, it's basically a device that allows you uh, to connect, um, you know, via RF from your radio to this little box, the hotspot, and then to the internet. In case you don't have a repeater nearby, and allows you to talk on the internet-linked uh, systems that are out there. Uh, but the Taitera MD380 for well under $100 is, uh, a hundred dollars is a Fantastic buy of a radio, um, and then uh, well, you know, I mentioned that that MD eighty six hundred, the twenty five twenty watt uh, dual bander, that's about a hundred bucks. That I mean, having a a mobile radio in your stocking
0: would have been unheard of two years ago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a hundred bucks. Yeah, and yeah. it would fit in your stocking. Yeah, it would. Both both ways. Yeah, yeah. Good points. Good points. George, what you got?
2: Oh, gosh. You know, the first thing that I would suggest is a copy of the ARRL handbook. And everybody really should have a copy of it. It's the sort of thing that you'll reference in so many different ways for antennas, for power supplies, for radios, just, you know, basic electronics. It's just such a valuable thing to have, and it's not that terribly cheap. I'm not sure how much they are now, but they're probably forty bucks or fifty bucks or something like that. So it's one of those things where you go, well, that's kind of an expensive book, and uh, and then when you get one for Christmas, it's like, oh, this is awesome, <laughs> and you'll you'll have an infinite source of bathroom reading material. <laughs> so oh, too that would much my, information
0: here, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my first pick. Uh, I think my second pick would be a. Uh, a collection of stuff that is a Raspberry Pi, an audio codec, an f- audio fob, and it, for the first time ever, I will recommend, and a Bofang radio, maybe even the cheapest one, the the Model 888, which is a channelized radio that's only like 13 bucks. Why? Because with that little pile of stuff, you could build an all-star hotspot and start playing around with the voice-over IP-connected radio. And um, that's pretty much all you need to, to take your um, common garden-variety FM radio and talk to this little hotspot. So when we talk about things like the Shark uh, open spot, that's 230 bucks, and it supports the, all the digital modes. You could build your own hotspot on the All-Star network for about seventy dollars, if not less, can we
0: interface so, my repeater with that? Yes. Hmm.
2: yeah If you have a port uh like on the controller, the Sierra radio controller you got,
0: yeah,
2: on the spare port, you could take um, take the Raspberry Pi and the Kodak and forget the bofang, and you could interface that to the uh, controller
0: we have a brand new uh, we got rid of charter there, we have a brand new Uverse connection. At the mm. at the station, so uh, that might be a future workbench project episode. That, that would be interesting well, for, for all of us.
2: Funny you should mention it because one of the build projects I've got in mind to to work on in the first part of 2018 is a, a little combo repeater controller or All Star hotspot board set. So ta da! We, yeah. we could
0: we could do that. We could all talk together, and we could also talk to our buddy in Israel. Exactly. We can cool. get Eric on the horn. Yeah, that'd be totally awesome. All right. So, uh, seriously, let's talk about that uh, between now and the next time we talk. So, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John, uh, man, I tell you, I, I'm digging the camper top you put on the back of the truck or whatever you're supposed to call that. I like the way that looks, and uh, I'm actually getting ready to sell my truck, so I'm not going to do that to mine. But um, I'm encouraged to see the, all the LED lights in there and everything. But I've got to ask you. Uh, what are some stocking stuffers besides LED lights that the Field Radio Podcast guy would encourage his listeners to pick up this year?
1: So I started a list when we started talking, and uh, I think I'm up Still to almost going. a page and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: energizer uh, bunny.
1: So so here comes the here comes the rundown. But yeah, that camper top uh, that was a great uh, local classifieds ad, and nice. and I've been to, I've got solar panels on top and and led lights all the way around. And, and so I'll be doing a show on that on cool. how to turn your truck into a large go kit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but so, so here's, here's your lightning round, uh, of, of stuff that I've, i found all under a hundred dollars. So let's, let's go through really quickly with antennas. Um, uh, we've always talked about this and I think it's been mentioned on the show, the N nine tax roll up, I mean, yes. 20 to $30, you're not going to find a better, uh, every every unit's tuned, and uh, just a great portable roll up antenna. Uh, amazingly enough, uh, for if you're looking for a mag mount, uh, you go to Walmart and buy. It's only online, but the Browning BR1035 is twenty five dollars. That's a dual band uh, antenna, and then the BR180 is the mag in, is the mag for that. Uh, the mag mount Uh, so fifty dollars you got an excellent um mobile antenna Um, i'm really impressed with arrow their j-pole antenna fifty nine dollars arrow i I tell you i contacted i bought this thing four years ago five years ago and i i lost the little tiny uh screw that fits between the two because if you get one that's cut in half the j-pole so you can pack it uh, emailed him and said, hey, I can't find this, and I've actually done this with the other aero antenna. And the guy just sends you stuff. He, he you know, He's like, oh, yeah, I'll send you that part. And so uh, aero antennas, i really appreciate their their support. Um, but, yeah, j pole antenna, which is just a rock-solid antenna when you're talking about going in the field uh, for VHF, UHF. Um, of course, we can't not mention the Pac-10 Mini. I mean, Yay! $90. I know the that best, <laughs> The best antenna you're going to get for... Field portable, uh, just throw that thing up in a tree with an arbor's weight and some rope, and and uh, you're on the air. Uh, just amazing. And then uh, last for antennas, uh, signal stuff. They were on the uh, Dayton Show, KD7BBC, Richard Bateman with Hamstudy.org. Uh, he was interviewed on the Dayton Show. Uh, he, signal stuff. That's that little antenna. That's that's made out of that really signal that really tight wire. Um, Twenty dollars, and it's a high performing. Uh, antenna for your HT. Uh, I just texted him while we were on the on the recording here, and he is doing a twenty five percent off uh, starting Thanksgiving and going through Cyber Monday. Uh, so that'll save you some some on that, and so that'll bring it down off to twenty dollars. And he offers a lifetime warranty on those, so even if you break them due to damage, due to you know whatever, uh, you just contact him, send it back, and he'll he'll ship you a new one. So that's kind of my rundown. On antennas, uh, the last couple cheap things is uh, I've really been liking. You talk about LED lights. Goal Zero has two sets of lights. Uh, light a Life Mini. Uh, this is a USB light that's only twenty dollars a light, and they can, they're chainable. Uh, uh, and I've I've tested these. Not they don't have RF hash on them, but they're also their Goal Zero Luna light, and that's just a little USB stick light. It's meant to light up your keyboard. Uh, Six dollars. And you plug that into your go box, and you can light up your radios. You can light up whatever you need. I use it in the car to kind of give a nightlight. Um, so just some little tiny things. Uh, but let's see what else. Oh, and lastly, uh, you wouldn't expect when you hear the word Heil, you wouldn't expect something to come cheap. Uh, but interestingly enough, their Heil Sound has a HT headset, single-ear headset that's pinned out for either YACU ICOM or Kenwood. Uh, Twenty-eight dollars uh, for a really good HT headset. If you're looking at working events or using your HT in the field, uh, that little headset's just a great, great find for that price.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, I don't have a whole lot to add to any of that, but I will tell you that I do have the uh, the signal stuff antenna, George, on the O'Sheen Handy. That I that's my go-to grab type radio, and it really, man, it makes a huge difference. Of course, now it get you know it's 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 longer than the the typical antenna, but down here in the country that makes a big difference, and it works really, really well so we'll make sure we link that and uh you you guys you guys showed him some love uh, back after dayton and and hope you will do that as well, especially uh folks like George, who's out there doing it big with the uh, Pac-Tenna mini so pick up one of those if you guys are operating in the field h f portable and you don't have a uh, have a pac tenna yet you're really missing out so don't, don't keep missing. Just get her done. Um, you know, I, 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 I shop for kids, you know, I, I don't really know. Um, and this year's going to be a really different Christmas around here anyway, too. So I'm not, my wife told me last night, let me, I, let me just be very transparent. Like I'm not always transparent, but my wife told me last night, I'm so tired of you taking the joy out of holidays. Last night I was, I was complaining about having to cook all this food that I'm really not going to have to cook on Thanksgiving, but uh, the holidays just wear me out for some reason. I don't know why I'm not a big fan, but anyway, um, there's a lot of cool things out there to be had. Again, uh, I'll go back to George, the raspberry Pi thing. Uh, I'm wanting to build a field expedient type portable computer to do FL Digi on. So I'm thinking uh, for me, it would be a raspberry Pi three, the official 7-inch display and the little $12 case that holds the, the screen, the pie and everything together. And get somebody smarter than me to help me figure out how to write an image for FL Digi and some cool ham stuff. And that would probably make me real happy. And that's on my wish list, by the way. Because the real Johnny mentioned in his blog post the other day that we should have wish lists. So I spent all morning trying to figure out what to put on mine. And I didn't realize I didn't need as much as I thought I wanted. So uh, you, you never know. You never know. So, wow. I don't think it's been four hours, uh, but we have been here a while. So I want to say a big thank you to uh, George and Jeremy and John for coming and spending time with us here together on this special edition of the Ham Radio 360 podcast. And I wish everyone listening a very happy Thanksgiving and a very up. A very merry upcoming christmas but uh gentlemen thank you all uh before we go and and i you never it's hard to kind of end these things sometimes but and i don't want to go too quick but is there anything that we might have forgotten that it just hit you here that you wanted to get out to the audience before we go or uh do you just want to uh tip your house hat, hat and say good night and uh keep keep going on with the with the life at the house how about jeremy
3: I, I want to say, uh, it's been great to hear you again. <laughs> Has my voice changed? Have I, have I gone through puberty yet? Yeah, 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 <laughs> you, you've gone soft in, in your, in your break here. No, uh, all joking aside, it's been great to get everybody together. Um, I, I always look forward to these, uh, these touch bases every year. Uh, it's hard to believe that this, uh, you said this will be our fourth one.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, no, I, I would say that no matter what, uh, no matter what, uh, Santa brings you or you get for yourself, et cetera, uh, make sure to practice ham radio safely and, uh, everybody have a fantastic holiday. Uh, enjoy the, the fellowship and the family and the food and the other things, uh, that this season, uh, brings about for us and, uh, we'll catch you in the new year
0: Yeah, yeah or, thanks, thanks. Sure.
3: or or next week if you're a workbench listener.
0: Yeah. Well, no, no it'll be a week after next. Week after next. But this is unless they're listening like binge listening and it will be Pop, in a few hours. It might be in 10 minutes, yeah. yeah. It could be tomorrow. Podcasting's you know? hard. Yeah. yeah. Is, thank you for listening. See you next time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, George. Oh, I I don't think I have anything to add to the the list. I uh, echo what Jeremy said and I'm really looking forward to what's going to come down the pipe next year. I think there's a lot of really great topics. Uh, when when we first started talking about the Workbench podcast, uh, we were trying to figure out how in the world we'd do six episodes, and we're up to like 37, and there's more things that we can think about talking about, and it, I'm just excited about John's podcast, and I'm just really grateful that you guys are around, that uh, I have a chance to Learn from you and share things and uh, and hang out from time to time. So um, this has really been fun. I hope we get to do this together again some more this year.
0: Well, it's been cool, man. And it's actually going to be 38, but they don't have to know that yet. But it's close. It's 37, 38. It's just how you look at it, I guess. You know how I know stuff like that? No. I had to change it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> You think I would know? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if he, if you'd ask me tomorrow, I couldn't tell you. But uh, I, yeah, so congratulations on that, by the way. I mean, that's you know, if you're not a content creator, uh, and most of you aren't, you, you don't realize the amount of work that it took to get to thirty-seven to seven to twelve to whatever. It's it's a lot going on. So, congratulations, guys! Y'all are killing it. Keep up the good work. And uh, John, before we go, anything else for us, bro?
1: Well, I found I feel like the new one that. New kid on the block. This is my first.
0: In KTV. Uh, so thank
1: you for welcome welcoming me into the uh, 360 family. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm ten episodes down. So, um, and I, I joke because someone did ask me, did I did I take kale out? <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's bigger than me. The minute I start, <laughs> the minute I start, you you go on hiatus, and so I say no. I promise I didn't.
2: No um, so, now.
1: yes. So, uh, no, I appreciate being here, and, and this, is, this has been great, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing on. We're going to try and do some dating plans also, and uh, I think it's just going to be fun, and I, it's, it's interesting to talk to different people that have come forward and volunteered to be on the show and, and just finding out all the amazing things you can do in this hobby that, uh, is, it's just great to hear people's story, and it's great to hear people uh, getting out and, and getting things uh, and just enjoying this hobby. So I appreciate you letting me be part of this.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening. It's been a lot of fun. We hope you've enjoyed it. This is our fourth shopping show. So if you haven't heard the others, we will encourage you to go back. The, the easiest way to find it, there's two easy ways. Type in shopping into the um, the search bar, hamradio360.com, or you can go to the Start Here page, and we'll have them all listed in order there. There. So if you're just coming into the hobby, you're brand new, somebody handed you this thing to listen to, uh, start here at hamradio360.com, and it kind of goes through the steps of how to become a ham, what to buy, what not to buy, what we'd encourage you to buy, what we'd encourage you to stay away from. So with that, we're going to let the music close us out here and say thank you again. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll see you. Kel will see you in the new year. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening, 73, y'all.